Good morning, good morning, good morning. Want to say good morning, good morning to all police and fire personnel, civil servants, healthcare employees, and good old number 41. How's it going for you? Good, I hope. I'm finally back in the saddle again, as they say. I guess that's a cowboy reference. Maybe I shouldn't say that. I'll do my best to behave myself. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Lots of things are going on today. We're celebrating uh, Gary Lewis's 60th year in showbiz. Uh, that's right, Gary Lewis on the song you're now hearing, the Playboys. He's going to be on at 10 o'clock this morning. My friend Mike Moran is coming in, formerly of uh, WSAR and other stations. And Charlie Quintel, you know the name, great performer and entertainer. He's going to be in studio, too. We're going to have lots of stuff going on. And uh, I think um, we may even hear from uh, another friend, uh, Rick Sapphire, who will be in the later. So you just stay tuned, okay? In the meantime, we must start with the Honorable Peter J. Wiggins. Good morning, Mr. Wiggins. Oh my heavens, boy! That 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 roost is really cold. <laughs> that's great. That's great. How are you, buddy? Doing good today. Last night, the North Atlanta's girls varsity basketball team took the fifty-four forty-three decision to the Medfield Warriors. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the North Atlanta's boys varsity basketball game dropped a seventy-one fifty-nine decision to the Medfield Warriors up in Medfield. All righty. Tonight at 7.30 p.m., I'm going to have to fuck for sports center and cover that. Not Lenter's ice hockey well, game. Well, 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 you got to, no, 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 you got to go all the way back. You got to slow up now. Let's do that again really slow because I'm not getting a word of it. Go ahead. And for Ed, tonight at 7.30 p.m., I got the Norton Lancers ice hockey game against the Norwood Mustangs up at Foxburg Sports Center. Okay, much better, much better, because I didn't want to miss that, you know. I mean, if I'm going to go out and freeze my tuckers off uh, to, to, to see these things, I want to know where they are. Now, how are you making out with all the cold, all right? Making it okay as I'm, as I'm doing my usual round, and the cold and the snow does not bother me a bit. No, nope, nothing someone, stops you, right? Nothing stops me if somebody spots It's like the Energizer Bunny. Still going, nothing at last, the Mayor Norton. All right, buddy. Going and going and going. <laughs> well, Shabbat Shalom. Thanks a lot yes, for right. chiming Thank in. You. I'll Thank talk you to you next much. week. Okay, God bless Thank you. Thank you. Love you, Dave. Have a good day, Dave. Uh, See you bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks bye. a lot. There goes Peter J. Wiggins, the honorary mayor of uh, of uh, Norton. I don't know if, you, you, if you're new to the show, you may not know him. Uh, but, um, you know, he uh, he helps us out. He calls in. And he, um, you know, and he lets us know what's going on. Um, and I thought you, uh, you would enjoy that. Well, I, I enjoy it every morning anyway. I enjoy it. Now, the other thing we have for you today is uh, our friend. I told you that we were going to be uh, talking with uh, Walt Buteau. Walt, uh, formerly Channel 12 uh Reporter went down to Florida. Now he's considering coming back, and uh, uh, he asked me to give him a call, and so I am doing that right now. And we'll find out what's happening with Uncle Walt. All right. Hey, Dave. There he is, says the amazing Walt Buto, ladies and gentlemen. Hi. Uh, thanks for doing this. I appreciate you being on. This is uh, terrific to hear from you. Now, 
First of all, uh, now you were how long were you at Channel Twelve? Uh, two years. Oh yeah. No, it's a joke. I was there probably like I don't know. I don't like to think about it. Nineteen ninety five to <laughs> twenty nineteen ninety five to twenty end of twenty one, right or twenty twenty. Uh, so like twenty five years. Oh wow! Like, yeah, that that's quite back. a while, huh? Yeah, I thought it was more than two. I wasn't quite sure. It was more than two. Yeah. Right. And uh, I'm going to do a little bit of this. I know you've probably even asked some of this stuff a thousand times, but tell me about some of the, or one or two of the weirdest stories you've ever had to cover, whether there or before that. Um, uh, let's see. Well, you, you you're, the story with uh, you where the, uh, the sound ends up on our, <laughs> our recording. Yeah, you know, I, want, I, I wanted to oh. do that, but I, I, I didn't want to do that right away, only because I, I, I did have something to say about that. But, but aside from me for a second, is there something else that has made, made touched you in some way or, or, or made you creep out in any way? I'm trying to think. These are hard, that's a hard question. Um, I would have, let me think. Hold, well, oh, man. Well, if nothing jumps at you, so I guess there wasn't any really. Does I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, I was always the guy that I think ended up with having to, um, I, got, I got, I ended up working a lot with the little guy uh, that I, I'm convinced that if I didn't do the stories, the stories wouldn't get done. Yeah. Um, and I think back on that, you know, it it's, can be a process to convince your editors that something is a story that you really believe is a story. And, um, and sometimes, you know, it's a, it can be a battle, uh, no matter where you work. And I, I would tend to, I think I couldn't let go of certain stories. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and because of various reasons, maybe fear of litigation or, or yep. just, uh, is that I'd have to, I'd have to, you know, the, the sales job was kind of intense and there's yeah. many of those stories. Um, you know, I, I remember one with a, a a woman who had a really bad case. I believe it was spina bifida, but regardless, she was confined to a wheelchair, and uh, she just wanted a, a, a new wheelchair. She was three months from getting one, according to the hospital codes, and um, and they wouldn't give her one. And when and I think what happens a lot with government and and uh, um, uh, medical groups is that. We are numbers. Um, this is not an insult necessarily. They they handle thousands of people, and we yep. become numbers and hospital codes, and hospital and 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 various codes that say you get one wheelchair per year or per whatever it was. It was maybe every two or three years. She was three months away or four months away. She was a college student. I mean, she could have just sat on the sidelines and done nothing. But this was a girl who wanted to go to college, and and now she was missing college. Her wheelchair broke, and the hospital. The, uh, the the group, the medical group, they did not, they never told us, hey, we're going to give her the chair. They just gave her the chair as if it was their decision. Yeah. But I think once they saw her face and realized who she was, she wasn't a number. Uh, and um, they gave her, they gave her the, uh, the, the, the extra wheelchair a few months early. Um, and I think that's what I've always loved to do is just sort of, you know, people call us and we, I've done it in Florida as well. We point, we point out the obvious, but it's missed when it's a giant organization where there's thousands of people and rules. And I, I'm, those stories stick with me as much as the story involving um, 
No, what was it? Action? <laughs> well, let, no, let, let's—we've uh, got to tell that story. Okay, we'll tell the story now then, because I do have a comment about it. And, and it's funny because I know you and I, of course, hooked up more deeply uh, over Nikki's story and my son Nick. Um, yeah. And what happened was—and uh, you correct me because you don't seem to remember all of it, but what happened was you came up to interview me about when I released the book, 41 Signs of Hope. Yeah. We published the book, and I was working up in Woonsocket on the air, and I would we did an interview before I I went on air, and then while I was on air, I remember you standing outside the studio doing your stand up, your intro to the story. Yeah, and you were telling now you can tell her that part. You you start you say five forty out loud, and then to yourself you do what? Well, so when you it's called a. We call them look lives because they were as lives, but look lives. Basically, you are on camera for 10 seconds to introduce the story. That is then a collection of sound bites and soundtracks, video. Um, and then you have, you have something called a tag, which, again, you're on camera. You wrap it up, and you do your SIG out um, uh, in one socket, Walt Uto. It's funny. Yeah. I'm, thinking of new, I'm thinking of my new SIG out, yeah. uh, which is eight <laughs> on your side, but... And it's, when I went to Channel 8, by the way, and Lord, I was concerned that I would go on the air and say Eyewitness News. But now I'm <laughs> back here and I'm accidentally saying 8 on your side. But it was, uh, uh, you know, in Winsaka, Walt Uto, uh, I, I can't remember. Eyewitness News. Regardless, yeah. at the beginning, what we do a silent count. I do a silent count. I go from three and I count my head to one. And the reason you do that, because if, if it's taken too early, you get what's called lip flap. So they see you saying one. So you don't say the two and the one. Um, but what is unique about this is I don't really ca- I just say it's sort of a habit. I just say three. And then I, I just start talking after a pause. I don't count two to one. So nobody would know listening when I was going to talk, if you know what I mean. They wouldn't assume, okay, two, one, and then say something. When we got back to the station, um, John Valella my uh, good friend, best man, and uh, good, uh, great photographer, and really part producer. He's a journalist more than just a photographer. Um, he, uh, he, he calls me into the edit booth, and he goes, you got to hear this. And right before I start talking on the channel of audio that would be near the camera, not on my – no, I'm sorry. No, it was it, near it, you. Yeah, it was on yours. It was the camera. It was the microphone on my chest, right, attached to my suit. Yep that we heard, and there's two channels. You don't hear it on the other channel, and we hear... Action. Voice, action. Voice, action. Yep. Action. And, and it, it's chilling. I just got a chill right there thinking <laughs> of it. And it, it was real as heck, I, and, and I, didn't, we, I didn't take it off. <laughs> and, uh, and obviously your son wanted to be a director, and, and there he was. And, and I just, you know, I still wonder, did I start talking because somehow I heard action? I don't know, but... But, well, uh, well, here's the thing about it. There was a big controversy at Channel 12 at the time because people were going into the editing booth and listening to it to see if they could tell if it was really a voice yeah. or your mic rubbing on material or they were trying to, right? There was a kind of a yeah, back and forth. Yeah, a few people, most people, I mean, yeah, well, there's a couple things. Oh, did John, John just added that. He just added that to the, uh, to the audio. Now, I'll oh. tell you what, oh, in, yeah. in today's t- technology, yep. You could get away with adding something like that with digital technology. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. But, but with this was tape. And when you had tape, um, you, uh, it, would, it would 
if you added a, a, a look, something like that, you'd hear, you could hear it. And you could hear, like, you'd hear a slight click. You hear the um, edit. Yeah, in some way you'd, you'd hear, hear the, the edit. Yeah, yeah. You might not, but you probably yeah. would. <clears throat> and um, there's no, so John didn't do it. I, I trust, you know, I, that's that's the only explanation. Well, that's, so that's me, yeah. Well, that's the other thing about this is that um, with Photoshop now, of course, and all the people that can do digital, we have a picture of Nikki, as you know, standing behind Joanne. Yeah, in a to, sweater. In a sweater and pants. But, and, you know, it could be photoshopped perfectly. And so, but this was predates a lot of that. But Absolutely. so, I mean, you can be a doubter. But the, the thing that I wanted to talk to you about on this, and I, I had planned to say this, but I didn't plan to say this soon. You got this. I believe you got it. You believe you got it. I remember you telling me that when you guys were driving up to Woonsocket, you kept getting behind license plates with 41s on them. <laughs> you know, well, there's more, too. John, and, look, I do. I mean, I, when you, I'm a, I'm a very optimistic person. My glass is always half full. And, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and, 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 but I'm in a business where we're doubters. We are professional doubters, and uh, we doubt everything. So I doubt everything. So even though, you know, I believed your 41 thing and, uh, and the, and the longitude lot, you know, it's, it's interesting, the longitude latitude, 41 and 41, yep, I get yep. all that and, and all the other things. And we told that story. We told a story about your book and, and, um, and, and so, but we're doubters. So on the way up there, we, and John and I can be sarcastic in the car on the way up there. We're going, yeah. I mean, I don't remember what the conversation was, but we were like, uh, like, yeah, okay, whatever, 41. And then I, a, a car, I, I think a truck cut in front of us, and the plate was something like 41041. There were two or three other incidents. And then on a follow-up to that story, interviewing your wife about some other quirks, it might have been the following year, there we are again outside joking about your wife and – because we didn't hear it. You guys hear it. So we have to make a jump. And then we have to understand, okay, is our audience going to be okay with us making the jump? Some people are going to be like, yeah, wow, that's cool. That's Nikki. And others are going to be like, oh, what a bunch of quacks. You, yep, that's, yep. that's, you know, the doubters, as you said. And I, don't, I, don't, I get doubters about everything I do. Uh, it, obvious stories where they think, especially now, the, the attitude toward the media, deserved or not, has changed. But but I remember on the outside after we interviewed your wife, um, and John and I—I I don't know what we said. Something like, "Oh, are the wipers going to go on now?" Because you guys had a story about the yeah, wipers right. going on. Yeah, right. Yeah. Whatever it was, I made a sarcastic comment, and the hatchback or the the door lift shock absorber—that thing that's on the back of your vehicle that holds the door up—the it's like a yeah. Um, it looks like a shock absorber. Yeah, like an I'm arm, walking yeah. by it. I'm walking by it. And uh, after making a smart aleck comment, and the thing breaks and hisses right in my ear, <laughs> like <laughs> just like that. And I again, coincidence maybe, but to me, to me, to me it was it well. Was, well I mean, to me, it very, it very well could have been uh, Nikki and um, and uh, oh, who saying, else? Don't, yep. don't talk about my mom <laughs> like that. So, well, well, that's the I'll, thing, I'll you know. That's the thing. The thing that I wanted to say to you, and and uh, is that when you got the the action on your tape, and everybody talked about it, and da-da, but then you went back and you did a story about that, or you tagged it, and I have always been impressed because that took a set because 
like you said, people say, oh, he's a crackpot. And now, and now he, you, you endanger your own, honestly, you endanger your own image by buying into this with, with so many people thinking we're just grief-stricken and we're, you know, it's, we're imagining all this crap. And so for you to tell the story on the air and say what you, and show the, the, play the audio, I was so impressed with that because normally, because I've been in the business since I'm a kid, I would have expected you to say, oh, that's really great, and never mention it on the air. Not do you a know story what? about and it. That's sort of that's sort of along the lines of uh, I've got to give my old boss credit. At least with street stories, uh, she was willing to let me, you know, do what we did. Um, you know, and they, but we I also did investigative work, which her job was to really poke holes, and that's her job. That's that's the and she was at that point the executive producer of Target Twelve. She her job was to poke holes. Well, what about this? What about this? She once asked me. There was a there was a a, a, a convicted rapist um, in uh, out of Pawtucket. His name was Evander DeBurgo. Okay, uh, he ends up involved. In, we have video of him because he had talked to us about something else. But this story is now about the a, a another case, a lawsuit, and we needed video of him. And we had video of him because we had inter- I didn't, but somebody did interview him. I found it in our archives. So I'm going, okay, good. Now we can show people who the guy is. Who's, who's admitted to raping this girl in a school in Pawtucket, um, Evander DeBurgo. The name is Evander DeBurgo, and my boss, to her credit, really, and if I ever teach journalism, I'm going to tell this story. To her credit, she said, uh, are you sure you have the right Evander DeBurgo? And I said, my, my first reaction was, are you kidding? How many Evander DeBurgo could there be? <laughs> she was right. So a couple more calls, and I was I was sure I had the right to Virgo. But in the in the case with the video, the action video, I guess you know I yeah I I don't know I didn't I didn't think it was that. Look, a fact is a fact, and and a fact can be something that is recorded. If somebody thinks that I doctored that audio, then they can think that I, as I tell my kids when they are if they're ever if somebody says like they'll tell me oh. So, so-and-so said I was blank, and I look at them, I go, well, are you? And they go, no. I go, then what are you worried about? I mean, if it's the truth, it's the truth. And we knew that was on there. I trust John. And, and, I, and, I, and at that point, you put it out there. And, you know, one of the most important parts of a news story, or any story, actually, is conflict. And, uh, and so if we created some conflict, some point of discussion for somebody who said, that's nothing, walks full of it. I, would, I, I didn't think of it as taking yeah, a chance. Yeah, except, except that's, very, that's very gracious. However, what you're not acknowledging, or maybe you don't realize, you didn't say, okay, here's what we heard. You, your presentation was, that was real. It wasn't like, you, know, you didn't say, well, we'll leave it up to you. You know, you, yeah, your well, presentation was, I'm telling you what I know this was. Or well, feel yeah, that it was, I, believe I, that it was, yeah. I did. I did believe that, and uh, I don't have the script in front of me, but I'm pretty sure I. I must have. I, I must have let you say it was real. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, oh but yeah. Either yeah, way. Yeah. Still. Either way, I do yeah. believe. I do believe. Uh, I do believe in spooks. I do believe in. Spooks, I do believe. Uh, I, I do believe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do believe it was. Look, and yeah. I have a really good friend of mine who has since passed away, um, and and he he was he said that, but he 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 was negative on everything um and he said that's you know that he yeah, had yeah. That. and yeah. i looked at him my grand i go well 
It sounds like a. It sounds like words to me. It, it was not my. It was not the wind because there was no wind. It was not the microphone <laughs> rubbing on anything because the microphone was outside of my my jacket. It was not the air conditioning duct above us blowing the word action into it. I don't. I mean, yep. Look, I. Well, it, I'm uh, I'm I'm glad that you got that experience. Of course, I'm glad that you uh, talked about it. And to, and today, I'm a little, uh, you know, I feel bad, be, uh, a little embarrassed because that's not what I ha- had you on for. And I sounds like I no, brought no, you no. on just so you could talk about my kid. <laughs> no, it's funny. I thought I thought you were leading the witness actually, because out of all the stories I've done, and if I really think about it, <clears throat> I'm sure I can think of others. I was t- I wish you would have asked me that. I would have thought of this thought hard. Yeah, I would have thought, yeah, yeah. Well, I got one for you. Uh, Do you remember the Jerry Ann Richards case? uh, Jerry Ann Richards. little girl disappeared from her house in Pawtucket. When was that? Uh, In the uh, the 80s, mid-80s. I was not here. Oh, okay. My family was. That was a big, and I just, as you were talking, I said, gee, what happened to that case? Because I had met the grandmother and and and, and blah blah blah. Anyway, um, so I right, so let's talk about now because thank you very much for that by the way. But let me ask you this: um, you left to go to sunny Florida, and be yeah. be at uh, on eight, uh, great on eight. WFLA. Yeah. Okay. WFLA. And you were an investigative reporter there too. Yes. Yes, sir. I was or am. Well, yeah. why did you? Why did you? Why'd you move? Why'd you? Why'd you leave? Uh, you know what? I've always liked challenges, and and I, I you know, we think of that now because we're moving back, and it was, you know, it was, it's, um, and um, I, I, I thought what it would be was, and what I was told it would be, was just an opportunity to uh, dig, you know, I hate this phrase because we use it all the line all, all the time, but dig deeper in fewer stories. And it was, and I was going to give up street stories, which was a nice escape, really. Yeah, yeah. I like to tell people that I spend four days a week caring, or, you know, looking for what's wrong with uh, Southern New England. I spend one day a week looking at what's right with Southern New England, um, and you know, maybe that, maybe that, that, uh, that ratio should be different. Con- consultants always say it should, but at the end of the day, my job is to point out or to find the wrongs and point them out to expose what's wrong. And, um, and so I thought there, what I was told that job would be was I would, I would get a chance to do, you know, really dig deep into a story, you know, work on it for, for a month, maybe, which, you know, back in the day, Jack White, uh, got months. Yes. You know? I mean, yes, back yes. in the day, yep. back in the day, an investigative, and this still happens at, I would say five stations in the entire country, maybe, um, that, and none of them are here. I don't think. I don't think even in Boston, to be honest. And and basically, you know, to get um, you would, you know, oh, you do. You, they, there would be patience. The investment was: do you have something? Yes. And when you had it, it would be. It would be a. It would be significant because you spent weeks because it needed weeks. Now some stories don't need weeks, but even a story that you could do in one week would be better if you had two, three, four weeks. You would be able to gather mm-hmm. more elements. You would be able to, maybe there'd be surveillance video involved, all that stuff. Well, that's what I thought. That's what I was told the job would be. Yeah. But it really that it at the end of the day, I was given one month to get my first story on the air, and that first story involved. <laughs> I probably went through 
10,000 pages of documents, had to whittle it down to how it impacted Florida. Then I had to whittle the Florida documents down to how it, uh, how it affected the Bay Area of Tampa, St. Petersburg, Bradenton, Sarasota, all, uh, all that stuff. And, yeah. and I was looking for victims of a particular scam. And it was something I'd never done, you know, working with an Excel, Excel sheets to that extent. And, and, and it was government material, which means it was completely disorganized, sometimes to a point because to me, as cynical at times, you know, you wonder if they make it that disorganized so it's harder for me to find the problems, the multi-million dollar problems. But I was able to do that in a month and uh, with very little appreciation for really what it took. Um, but we did that. It ended up being, you know, a good first story and several follow-ups. It wasn't the greatest job story in the world. It was really good. But my point is I wanted bigger than that. <clears throat> and I found those stories, but then was, you know, they wanted me on the air more, and as as they do in multiple yep, markets, yep, sure, they yeah. want content. You know, when I started back in the '30s, I think or something, <laughs> um, I think my first story was the ribbon cutting of uh, of the state house, and um, mm. not really, but maybe. <laughs> uh, anyway, when I started, there was a six o'clock news. I think I probably when I was an intern. Yeah. Now there, you know, then I remember at Channel 12, we had a five. We had no 530. They had cheers on between five and, and between 530, 530 and, and six. six. Yeah. Yeah. And then they went to a 530. Eventually, I was anchoring the 530 and the fives. And so we had a five, a 530, a six. And then I think uh, then 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 we became we became a duopoly. Now we have a 10 and 11. <laughs> and then there was a I think now they started a four and a 430. The station I'm at now is a four, a 430, a 530, a six, a 630, a seven. I think we have an eight on a, on a smaller <laughs> network that they own. I'm, and yeah, it sounds funny. We have, I think we have a, we might have something reruns at 10, but they want it slightly different. And we have 11 and they, and it's not like that. So think about that. It's four times as many shows. The staff has not increased by four times. The staff is probably about the same when they add a half hour of news. They, they usually add one producer, and they, they take a reporter, and they give the reporter a chance to anchor. And, and this is not a, a dig on the reporter who gets a chance to anchor. They want, it, they want to advance their career, so they take that opportunity. Do they get a ginormous raise when they take that opportunity? Probably not. They're, get, they're paid an opportunity, as broadcasting can do. Um, and the producer is also happy to have their own show. Yeah. So for a short amount of money, you suddenly open up how many minutes of commercials you can sell every day. All right, every so I, I think I'm getting a feeling here for, for what you're talking about. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I want to hear the, the, the punchline for this thing. And uh, uh, what's in the future? We're talking with Walt Buteau, formerly of Channel 12, now of 8 Alive. <laughs> what is it? What? WFLA. SLA. <laughs> and uh, stay tuned because we've got other stuff for you, okay? Okay, that'll be great. All righty, you and me on the radio until noontime today. Walt Buteau is on the air with us talking about uh, his time in Florida. And now, are you going to come back? Are you coming back? What are you doing? We're back. I'm back. Yeah, I'll be back. I'll be back for good uh, in early April, possibly earlier, depending on a few job opportunities. But I'll be back in... Uh, early April and um, my family's already back. So I've been actually going back and forth. I've seen a lot of people on airplanes. It's funny. I, I'm flying home for this week. I'm here for a week. It was my son's birthday. And, um, and um, I've been here the week and on the flight here, a woman stood up and uh, said, uh, um, you're Walt Buteau. Yeah. <laughs> and 
didn't have the heart to tell her I haven't been on the air there in three years, but it was, it was nice to nice that somebody remembered. Yeah, that's like people say to me. I listen to you every morning, and I hadn't been on the air in a year. Well, <laughs> of course, the punchline to that is she goes, you do sports, right? And I go, uh, <laughs> no. Don't you love it? I, have done, I, have, I guess I have done sports because – actually, I, when I anchored one weekend – they didn't have a sports guy, so I did the news and the sports because they were short. So I guess that's accurate. And I that also, must have been the one time she was watching, yeah, when you were doing that. That was the only time she was watching. And she, it must have been memorable because she remembered my name. So. Yeah, I know it. That's terrific. Yeah. So, but no, yeah, we're coming back. So are you going to uh, stay in, in, in uh, broadcasting or are you going uh, to – You know uh, what? There, anything's possible at this point. Um, I definitely I, – I, I've had uh, – at least one opportunity to do that, and I think another would come up. But um, but I'm I don't know yet. I'm still trying to decide on that. I have some other options, interests uh, for for what would be probably my final chapter of employment. Um, and uh, I've, and I'll just as a hint, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Um, I think if I ever did a story on businesses, the business owner had to go. Why did that guy ask so many questions after the camera was off? And I, I'll tell you, the reason was I oh I'm fascinated by people who take that plunge yep. into a business. Yeah. I mean, yep. think about, think about the stones it takes to do that. You know, we take it for granted. May, most of them fail more than most one out of five. Um, and, and so, so yeah, that, I'm fascinated by that. So I have a few ideas there and, uh, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm coming back cause I missed the snow. <laughs> yeah, I know you were worried about it. You, you offered to come to my house and shovel the walk. That was nice. Thanks. Yes, uh, yeah, my friend Mike Miranda's just uh, joined us. Uh, Walt, uh, uh, Mike, who's been on the air in, in uh, hey, southeastern New England. Hi, Walt. Big fan. Thanks for thanks, uh, thanks for um, indulging Dave with. Uh, oh no, it, I, it's it's <laughs> it's fun. And when I. How, how do you define fun, it? Walt? Would you <laughs> be specific, please? Well, it, you know, it's just fun to uh, it's fun to talk of, when I hear myself talk about what's happening in my business. It makes me go, "What am I doing in this business?" Yeah. Because it, it really has it's changed. It's gotten better, I think, in some ways as far as the scope that we can reach. Uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity for the last 15 or so to write web articles because there was so much in a news story you had to leave out. You sure. tell both sides of it, but you know, you can't get into the, you can't get into the weeds because you don't have video to cover it. Obviously if it's important, you find a way, but there's just, it's more, you can do more with the web story. Um, so I've always appreciated that. Uh, well, but let me, you, you indulge Dave, so I'm going to ask you to indulge me for just a second okay. here. Because as I'm driving along the winding back roads of Rehoboth uh, and Attleboro to arrive at the studio here, I'm listening to you. And it reminded me of something I saw just earlier this morning on the web where a political figure was asked a question, and it was a tough question, and her response was, well, you know, the media, y you guys make stuff up and blah, blah, blah. And I'm listening, I'm contrasting that to listening to your voice, talking to Dave about how you approach a story, how you sort of become, you don't become the story, you become the reporter in the best sense of the word. And I said, you know, if people would stop making blanket condemnations of quote-unquote the media, and listen to the voice of a reporter who is really dedicated to, to that craft 
and to that art and to doing it right and doing it fairly, I really get a sense just from your tone of voice that it is very much a part of you to do that. And as a consumer of the news, I appreciate that greatly. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you, nothing but the, the inter, uh, you know, as I said, I think one improvement, uh, and some might disagree, with the media is the Internet, uh, is not the Internet, but, you know, the social media. Now, there's a downside to that because everybody oh. thinks they're a journalist. That, you know, exactly. Uh, and and, and um, they don't understand the rules that we go through. They don't understand that if they see two minutes. I had some, a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine here. He goes, he saw some story I did. I don't remember what it was. We coached basketball together. And he goes, so I saw your story. He goes, and it was minute 30 story, whatever it was. He goes, that's what you do all day? Um, <laughs> oh, if only. It, you know, it's a minute and a half, but they, they, don't, they have no idea what can go into that. The, the conversations, the consternation, right. the concerns. Do we have it? We have it, right? Yeah, we have it. Yeah. Um, and they don't understand. They don't understand that, that just because I report on January 6th and the damage and all that does not mean that I am against Donald Trump. Or anything. I mean, it, it doesn't. It, they think if I report on it, that's my uh, not everybody. Right. Yeah, I know I what you mean. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's my opinion, and it's just not. You know, it, I. It, it reminds me of of the way in which many people who enjoy eating think they can run a restaurant. Oh my God, that is a <laughs> great example. And exactly and and someone right. because they say, well, I watch a lot of news on TV. They think they know what reporting is. They think they know. And, and, and that example that you just cited, if somebody who says that's what you do all day because they see a, a minute and 30 package that you put together, they don't have a clue about what goes into creating that story. The, the, you know, the reporting, the digging, the phone calls, the in-person conversations with sources. And... It's like trying to like oh, people done. that watch stand-up comedy and say, yeah. I could do that. I can do that because yeah. I tell jokes. I do, work. I do a great Uncle Fred. <laughs> <laughs> I do you a know, great Uncle right. Fred, right? Yeah. Wallace. It's funny you say that because I've always thought I could do stand-up comedy. <laughs> and, um, and, 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 but I have, so I, I write a lot on the side and, you know, for my own purposes or whatever. But, but I will attempt every, I'll, I will, you know, I'll hear something, I'll make it. I'll write a joke, a joke about it, a bit yeah. about it, yeah. and I go, oh, that's pretty funny. But then I think, would that work on a stage? Because you're right. Those yeah. guys, they're funny, and they, if you do it well, you make it look so natural, no matter yeah. what you do, even athletics. I think we all watch football and imagine, well, I was a wide receiver in high school. Uh, I can do what uh, – <laughs> oh, I, I did that. I made, th- I made the throw from third base in high school. Absolutely. I can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, but, yeah, it's – and I think that's why sports are are so popular. And and again, it, it, again, you the great people, even you guys, even on radio. I'm sure I talked to Dave about possibly having a show about something. And I'm I'm a I'm a realist where I'm a little scared about having to <laughs> talk forever yeah. and and on you know on a bad day have to fill time. I mean, sure. well, I got to say good for you. I got to say it for you. Anytime you you don't know you, you don't know what to say and you know you got an hour to fill and you don't know what to do have you on as a guest. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And well, no, but but in all honesty, I, yeah. you're right. That, that people think they can do it. Maybe they can. Maybe they can. But they don't know the rules, and right. They, right. they 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 I get and it, it can be frustrating. But for the most part, I would have to say, if I get a hundred comments about something. Less than ten percent are 
you suck, you're an idiot, you, you know. That's <laughs> a lower percentage than I can and play. it's terrible when your family writes to you like that. <laughs> I know, that. it's terrible. <laughs> Hey, hey now, Walt, Walt, no, no, but don't you, you said when you talk about it, you say to yourself, oh, why am I in this business? But I, I, wouldn't you miss it? I mean, really, don't you, yes. I would think you'd miss being on the air. Oh, my God. Dave, the, the, my least favorite part is being on TV. Yeah. It has become Well, that. doing I, the I, rest I, of it, doing the rest of it. I the mean. Re- yeah. Well, and then that, that is stressful. But you, right. the, the point that I really like, I guess, is what I'm. The last thing I probably do is finish editing my web story. And when I'm around that point, I take a deep breath and I go, all right, this is good. Or, it, or it's okay. Or it moves the chains, as I like to see. So it. how do we see this stuff? How do we see your web stuff? WFLA.com. Oh, so, okay. Uh, Dave, have you heard of Google? Have you heard of Google? <laughs> well, <why? laughs> he's heard of Barney Google. Yeah, that, oh, that's what I meant. Yeah, that guy, yeah. All right, <laughs> And yeah, well, no, I mean, well, my point was I Google thought it was Barney a, Google. I thought it was your own website, not the FLA. Uh, I I mean I understand that. I mean, oh yeah. God. Yeah. No, I look. I um, <laughs> I been miss all this part of it. Look, there. If I I don't, have, I'm not a regret guy. I mean, yeah. if I could turn back the clock, what do I do? I don't know. I don't really do that. Or maybe I do. Yeah. I stopped yeah. it. Yeah. But but I'll tell you, I if I hadn't gone to FLA. There's a long list, and I'm not patting myself on the back. All I did was, I, I like to say, all I do is point out what seems to be obvious. Right. And when, when a government agency then solves the problem for somebody, because we expose, and they never say thank you to me, by the way. They, never, they will fight it to the end. Sure. We, we, we had a disabled veteran who, who couldn't get his electricity on because of some glitch for three weeks in the freezing cold of Florida. Oh, wait, it wasn't cold, but still. Okay. You get my, <laughs> you get my point. Yeah, he's without electricity with his granddaughter and great grandchild in the house. He got turned down by the electric company time after time, and had no idea where to go. And it was just a, it was just a glitch in whatever happened. We did the story. We made a phone call, emails, bothered them, and they turned it on before the story made air. Um, so, so, and then, but at the end of the day, their response to me was. Oh yeah, we just decided. Yeah, you just decided. Yeah. No, you, sure. you know, no. We showed you the problem and you fixed it. Just say, just say that's the that's the thing. They don't want to admit they did anything wrong, but at the end of the day, fixing the problem for somebody. Well, that, I, yeah. Got, well, that's like when when someone writes a check and said without admitting responsibility, okay. I'm going to write the check for two million right. or whatever it is, right? <laughs> but yeah, so uh, those people. I have so many faces in my head right now, names uh, of people who, um, <clears throat> you know, would not have gotten what they earned or deserved from everything from just, uh, you know, Social Security, Social Security death benefit to a veteran who, who, went, who, who went into the jungles of Vietnam 16 times, came out, wow, he has PTSD. Got into a riff with an officer, was denied benefits for, you know, they put him up to a certain level, but was denied the last part of it. And this guy was not a freeloader. This guy was in a wheelchair tethered to an oxygen tank. He had to widen the door of his bathroom. He's sleeping in the living room because he can't, in a, in a single bed, he's on oxygen. He's, he's near death. And his, his mom, his, his mom, his wife said to me, all I want to do is fix this problem before he dies. Okay. 
that's the, and, and again, the VA screwed up. He was, he was a number, not a name. And, and we, t- we made them know he's a name, not a number. I really, um, I, and I never do this, it's none of my freaking business, but I really <laughs> would plead with you to try to get back on the air over here. To, to to make a pitch. I'm serious. I mean, just just the story alone. You know that uh, it, it does a great deal more than anything else. You're going to be able to do, and and you're going to feel good about yourself. You could do it part time. I don't know how the hell to do it. Oh, uh, I it's not it's not out of the question. It's just that right now, goal one is to get back here and yeah uh, yeah yeah. No, there, it, it's not. It's definitely not out of the question. Um, but I will say. I won't be leaving. I won't be leaving television journalism to some degree. Television journalism is leaving me. I mean, I, I just there are a lot more hurdles to jump over um, than there were, and it's fine. It's it's fear of litigation. It's threats. You know that we used to stand up to certain just baseless threats. Now now some stations. I'm not talking about anybody locally. I don't know yeah, what they yeah, do locally. Yeah. I've heard it from other friends who do what I do. And um, and they, you know, they it's not I somebody in the company that I work for that also owns Channel 12 once said, you're not doing your job unless you get sued. And I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. But it's sort of a you know, it's a it's a it's sort of a you know, it's a really bold statement to make. It sounds cool, but it's just I don't agree with that. But the truth but the truth is you've got to at least stand up to the nonsense. And when it's a nonsense claim about what you reported and when you have the documents to back it up. But, you know, now there are stations I know of that are doing very well. They don't want to rock the boat. And let me tell you something. Somebody needs to rock the freaking boat. You've got to rock the boat because people don't realize they can call us muckrakers as Teddy Roosevelt did. And that's what we do. Right. But but without that, you're not going to know what the muck is. And it'll just go on and on. And of all the people who call me, I'm convinced they're a small percentage of the people who are actually having problems. People give up. They just give up. They, say, they, they, they listen to the, the thing, oh, I can't fight City Hall. That's a bunch of BS. You can fight City Hall. Maybe you need some help. Uh, but, but there are, I think, a lot of people who just take it. They just get, oh, okay. Well, that's great. Well, you shouldn't be that way. I wasn't raised that way. Yeah, you know, the thing is, and, and nowadays with all of the political foolishness, some of the crazy stuff, I mean, um, broadcasters are threatened. Uh, with, I mean, but I'm, I'm used to that. I used to have my life threatened back in the 80s before it was fashionable. I mean, but, but I mean, it's going on now and people are allowing themselves to be silenced or back off or I don't want to yeah. follow that and, story. And well, you alluded to this, the fact that it's almost everybody thinks they're a journalist. You can, from a technical standpoint, in the same way that everybody thinks they're a radio broadcaster because you yeah. can get a little mixing board and go on the internet and right. do, a, do a podcast. Yeah, you can, yeah. And, and with the right production value, you can sound every bit as good as those who, who do real sure. reporting. Yeah. And and I think that that's, you know, a lot of people said, well, that's even the playing field and it's created a lot of opportunity for different points of view. It's also yeah. created the opportunity for a lot of nonsense to make its way yeah. into the public domain oh in a way God. that is that is very um, detrimental to real news reporting. 
Oh, there's no doubt. And it's funny you say good production value. Look, my children, uh, younger kids, and the three boys, uh, they love YouTube. They're watching it now. We have to watch YouTube because it's not, you know, they're, they're swearing. There's inappropriate stuff can pop up all the way. But there are people on YouTube doing, uh, you know, sort of play-by-play about video games that the production value is has no value. It's it looks like it's done in the basement, and they have millions of viewers. Yes, so right. I'm not so sure about the production value. But you're right. <laughs> it is. It's not all bad. It's not all bad because there's also. I don't, have you guys heard of Mr. Beast? No, no. no is that <laughs> Mr. Beast is a guy that I think he was 14 years. My children didn't know. Oh no, no, I know. Is this the Tetris kid? No, no. Okay, go ahead. No, this is a guy that I believe when he was fourteen, he went on the internet for I don't, my son would know thousands of days in a row, a hundred days, whatever it was. And he so hey, hold on, can I hold on one second? Cooper, <laughs> All how right, long was go, Mr. go get him. On t- on, how long was Mr. Beast on? Uh, what did he do to get his start his career? What did he do? Tell me. Oh, he was. Oh, it's better than I thought. He counted to one hundred thousand. <laughs> You mean he just sat there and he counted? He just sat there and counted. He sat he sat there and counted. He's now a multi he's now a multimillionaire and it, because he he took that platform and he turned it into this thing where he g- gives away money in these weird and there is production value to his show. Wow. But that's how he started. He counted to 100,000. I think that's I'm going to start on on April 5th. There you go. I'm going to start counting. I'm going to count to 200,000. The, the closest thing, Walt, that I can think to that, and it ties in with the stand-up comedy comments that you made earlier, is Andy Kaufman coming into a club and, you know, the lights go down. He's got the brick wall behind him. He's got the mic in his hand on a mic stand, and he starts to sing 100 bottles of beer on the wall. <laughs> and he didn't stop until he got to one. And the paying customers were getting, you know, a little antsy and then a little angry and furious. <laughs> and that's exactly what he wanted them to do. Yeah, yeah really he was, he, that guy, you know what? He was being different. Mr. Yeah. Beast was being different. Being by the, different by the way, up. when Andy did that, when he got to the end, Dave was sitting in the back of the room <laughs> and yelled, one more time. Yeah, that's and, it. You know. I, I liked the way he was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> So the the thing is that we're going to be hearing again, I hope, soon from uh, Walt Buteau because he's going to be deciding what he wants to do. Can do we you, chant Walt Buteau? Yeah, we could Walt do that. Butte. Yeah, we could do that. It'll drive him sure, crazy, man. but that's uh, it. Yeah. yeah. If the right person hears that, yeah. I mean, there is the Internet now, this thing called the Internet. That's so right. if the right person hears that, mm. it's a great thing, the Internet. It just, you know, it really is. It, I don't, I'm not somebody who says, I want to go back to the days of whatever. Yeah. I, no, it, no, it, no. But it, yeah. does, it, and it does widen who has an opinion. The problem is, yeah, like you point out, some of those opinions people take as fact. Yeah. Right. And then you, if you're responsible, you chase it down and you go, wait a minute. Yeah. There's, there's half a fact in there. It's no stunning. Way. It's stunning how people will buy yeah. anything. It's unbelievable. That's the, the problem. And I just heard a thing on the air, and I don't know if this is legit. I heard a thing on YouTube. Oh, well, then let's spread yesterday. it around. Let's play it around. <laughs> no, I'm, what I'm saying <laughs> is, listen, I'm just getting used to this Google thing. <laughs> Barney said to me, yes. try this one on. 
No, but they they would they did a study and they got people allegedly who only watched Fox News oh, okay. and got them to only watch MSNBC. Yeah. And they said that they they actually had people who were changing or saw things completely different. Right. right. Some things completely different by being exposed to the other side. And I think that's one of the problems that we like everything else, if you dare to Google <laughs> Google something, right. all of a sudden you'll get 40 ads well, I, to I buy a, one. I have right? a friend, I have a musician friend who lives in Florida, and he, you know, I hear my phone go ding loudly one day with last week. This is last week. And I see that he has sent me a clip from YouTube of um, one of the guys on Fox, uh, Mark Levin. Yeah, oh, yeah. And some yeah. words of wisdom that Charming. he's, he's yeah. about to impart. And I, uh, I, I said to him, and I know this guy is a musician and a good one, and I wrote back to him without even watching the video. I said, um, John, please don't send me in a direct message any political content, and particularly anything from Fox News, unless... It's a downloadable copy of the $789 million defamation <laughs> settlement agreement. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just leave that there. <laughs> and, and he gave me a thumbs up. As, uh, yeah, at yeah. least I think it no, was No, no, you thought it was a thumb. It wasn't a thumb. Yeah, thank you. Uh, listen, Walt, we got about four minutes left. What would you like to, to make sure I'd we like know? I'd like to say this. I'd like to say this as again, as I say, I mean, people may find it hard to believe because most of the time I was, they saw me, I was talking about something that was bad, but, but I like to believe that we, 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 we continuously say we're more divided now than we've ever been. I just think that is, I'm just going to say that, it, that it, I just find that to be a ridiculous statement. The most, the closest election in our history was, uh, I got to do math 60 years ago. Okay. That, that's, still the closest election in our history that that era saw uh segregation being fought and uh and 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 so-called quote colored bathrooms and fire hoses turned on on african-americans and and women not being able to have a, a credit card which might have been a good idea hey, <laughs> hey wait a minute here anyway anyway i i and and i just looked it up because i just you know so right now 60% of us are on social media. I would like to think that I don't think we're any more divided. We've always been divided. We, we have always been divided sharply. And, and I, I think that the Internet makes it feel like it's worse than ever. Yeah. I don't think it's worse. Than, I'm not saying it's good, but we've always been divided. There were hanging chads decided in an election <laughs> in, uh, That's right. I, I, what, 2000. I, yeah, well, too, it, was, it was a Supreme Court who decided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, right, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But think about it. I'm so we kept the shads and hung the Supreme that's Court. Right. Thank right. you. So, Go ahead. Right. So that's 20 years ago when the internet was an, an infant, and uh, I just and social media, most of it wasn't around. I don't. I, I don't think. I think we have way more in common than we don't have in common. Most of the people who critique what I say angrily, I can tell. I, I leave them traps in certain stories. <laughs> Where they, I can tell they did not read the story. They read the headline because they're lazy, and that goes on with everything. Right. And and I think we just, you know, what you said just just a while ago about Fox and MSNBC. If you're going to consume the news, you should watch both. Don't watch one. Sure. Watch right, both. right. Watch if one. you want to know what's going on, boy, Walt, thanks, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, now, listen, you got to come back. You know, you do it once. You absolutely, you, man. You have to do it again. Yeah, it was fun. 
fun. And let me know what's happening. Give me a call, you know, off air. And if anything I can do, uh, let's find yeah, a way to I get will. you in and there. I will, um, maybe next time I come into the studio, I'd love, That'd be I'd great. love to see you. Yeah. I want to see the board being switched. It sounds fun. Okay, yeah. great. We'll bring you. We'll give you a, a right, hey, tutorial. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. it all right, thanks a lot. Great, Bye-bye. great to talk right. with you. Bye. There goes Walt Buteau, formerly of Channel Twelve, now, uh, well, settled uh, in Florida, but he's coming up. Uh, we up, going back home now, and he's going to move back up. And he's going to take a left, and then he's going to take they're a going right. Where the, and then go. Where the old schoolhouse used to be. Used to be yeah. exactly the Catholic one. Yeah. Hi, Dave. Hi. <laughs> Glad to have you here. <laughs> I'm happy to we be here. Big day today. Uh, Charlie yeah. Quintel's coming in to, uh, to uh, oh. Charlie Quinto. Oh, I Charlie know Charlie Quinto. Yeah. He's coming in. And uh, uh, in the next hour, we are going to be celebrating the 60th anniversary in show business of our pal, uh, Gary Lewis. Gary Lewis. So that'll be fun. What a lot of hits he had. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Well, that and I plan to play pieces of stuff. And we'll talk to him again. <clears throat> he, he was on couple of months ago and we had a good time and he has agreed to come back that's which great I, you know, that doesn't that, usually happen well with your you know but he's getting older he might be saying he might have oh, forgotten you he forgot you know how <laughs> can dave what? Ooh, hot, thank you Please so uh, so you stay tuned for that and uh we've got a great show for you and uh gary's gonna really turn everything around and make something happen so i'm very excited about that and i hope you will be Two. In the meantime, Bob is going to tell you what you're listening to. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Second hour, Kane and Company, you and me on the radio. Until noontime today, it's Gary's anniversary. Want to say good morning, good morning to all police and fire personnel, civil servants, healthcare employees, and good old number 41. Good morning. Uncle Mike Moran is in attendance. Good morning, Mr. Moran. Hello, Dave. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Hello, Mary. Hello, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we are really excited about that. Um, Charlie Quintel's on his way in. And uh, in the meantime, we're going to see if we can't um, get somebody on the line uh, who is right. uh, celebrating 60 years that. of... Uh, of um, <laughs> showbiz. That's one ringy dingy. Yeah, that's one. There we go. We're getting... If you get an answering machine. I hope I dial the right number. I hope so, too. Your call has been forwarded <laughs> to an office. No, no, no. <laughs> Let me try it again. You do that, and I'll entertain the folks. Thank you. Go ahead. I thought it was great that Walt Buteau was on with us, and he, he talked about Teddy Roosevelt, because you had lunch with him every Tuesday. Me and Teddy, you? Yeah. together. Right. You rough <laughs> rider, you. I know. Well, mm. listen, what can I tell you? I'm doing the best I can here. Under the circumstances. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Good morning, Gary. Yeah. Oh, great. We've, I <laughs> dialed and got a wrong number. So uh, this is Dave Kane, and happy anniversary. Yay. Happy anniversary. Yeah, 60 years. Oh, 60, yes, you're right. Oh, my heavens, yeah. Uh, Mike Moran is with me. and uh, he, Hi, he's Mike. A- Hi, Gary. How are you? 
Good, thank you. Big yeah, fan, he, big thrill. Trust me. Yeah, he's a right. he's a broadcaster <laughs> from a, in this area as well. And when I told him I was going to have you on, we had to have a couple of people surprise you or at least join in. Um, How does it okay. feel now? Now you're still. I know you're still working because we spoke about a month ago. I think. You yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. And I know you're still working and you're still liking it, right? <laughs> Darn right. <laughs> How is I it, love it. How has it changed, though, Gary? How, when you used to go out and do, you know, a, a, I don't know, a weekend or a, how, yeah. how has it changed? Well, uh, in the beginning, in the 60s, you know, it was, um, uh, it was all fun. I wanted to be screamed at like the Beatles got screamed at. Sure, sure. But, but, but as time went on, uh, the realization that, uh, this is your business hit me, and I said I got to treat this like a like a business, a successful business, and uh, do do the right things and get the right people to book us and manage things and all that. So it became it became a business, but it never stopped being fun. That's that's the great thing. Now, what was it that happened that made you do that turn? Did, did you have a bad manager or what? What what tour? Well, no, I said what made you what what made you make the turn of to realizing oh, that it, it's yeah. business? Yeah. Um. Well, you know when the when the seventies came in, uh, it wasn't very kind to sixties artists at right. all. Right. Know? You know, right. I mean, if you were a '60s artist and you wanted to keep playing during the '70s, you had to you had to work clubs and you had to do four and five sets a night. Uh, you know, so I mean, I did it. You know, I did that, uh, and and it was fun and I I enjoyed it and everything. But you know, in the in the '70s, it was like I'm saying. Oh, okay, now is, is is this what I'm gonna do the rest of my life? Here is is play these clubs, uh, and th- thank goodness in 1984 the the 60s started coming back again, um, and, and you know this agent from Indiana called me and said, "Hey, I I can book you 60 to 100 dates a year." The 60s are coming back, and I said, who the hell is this? <laughs> sure, of course. Right? I, want, I want to, Dave, you may not be aware, <laughs> Gary certainly is because this is about his life. Um, when he and the band um, started to do shows at Disneyland when they were just starting out, right? in, in order to sort of put up a guardrail around the criticism that, well, you know, showbiz family and, you know, of course the kid's going to be a big hit. It was Gary and the Playboys with no mention of the name Lewis. That's and, right. And talk about that if you would, Gary. Okay, well, I didn't, uh, you know, we went down on an audition at Disneyland for the summer job of 1964, and um, I, I didn't, I did not want favoritism. I didn't want anybody to know my family or where I came from or anything like that. And so my mom said, well, just call yourself Gary and the Playboys. (laughs) So we did, you know, and uh, 
we ended up getting the job, and it was a real successful three months at Disneyland. And and that's where our producer, Snuffy Garrett, saw us. He was out at the park with his family. And um, afterwards, uh, backstage, he came back, gave me his card, and said, I'm head of A&R at Liberty Records, and I'd like to talk to you about doing some recording. Uh, now, isn't that the way everybody wishes it would yeah. happen? Oh, yeah, so that's lovely. the one you always hear in, in the movies. That's how it goes, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, it that that's what happened. So anyway, I went down to Liberty Records, and I listened to a bunch of demos, and Snuffy Garrett said, hey, I, I have a tune here for you. <laughs> Uh, that was written by Al Cooper. Al Cooper, right, who went on and, to create a little band called Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Right. right. Played Hammond yes. B3 organ on the Dylan yep. Columbia records and all That's of that. And what, what was the song? Oh, you're going to love this. That, well, the song was This Diamond Ring. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, Snuffy said it was offered to the Drifters, and the Drifters didn't like it. <laughs> so, so I offered it to Bobby V, and he Bobby like V said, said he didn't like it either. <laughs> Me, I said, I don't care what it is. Yes, let's do it. Yeah. Well, that's the, and, and the thing about this, and, and now the, I, I want to know this from you. Tell the truth okay. now, Gary. If they did a movie that, that depicted what happened to you, and who would you want to play you, Gabby, Gary? <laughs> Me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yo, you can't play from 64. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could too. Yeah, you could. <laughs> uh, they, no. they they got all this computer stuff, right? Yeah, it's funny because no, you no, know I don't know, uh, yeah. I don't know. Jeez, uh, I I never even thought of that. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a story uh, here, though, isn't there? I mean, there's a great story here. I don't, I have no idea who who would do it. I I've never thought of that ever. Well, I want to I want to ask you something about this diamond ring. Before you okay. do that, let me okay. just explain one thing to to, to Gary. Uh, Mike uh, uh, is a pal of mine, and he's a broadcaster, but he's also a bass player, and he has played bass with some of the biggest names in the world who well, have come I've, here. To I've perform. opened for some pretty big names. I yeah, haven't. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah. I mean, the, the only guy that was actually on stage playing with that would that Gary would recall is Freddie Boom Boom Cannon. Oh, yeah, sure. Because oh, yeah. he came to town, and, and the folks who hired him said he needs a band. Mm -hmm. So they contacted me, and we did it. We did no rehearsal, but we knew his stuff, and it turned out yeah. okay. What, what I wanted to ask you about Diamond Ring is, um, first of all, from a musician standpoint, this is going to geek some of the people out, I suppose, but that's a far more sophisticated, not just the song itself, but the arrangement and the recording is a lot more sophisticated than people would give credit to the average pop tune because it you know it begins in a minor key with the verse yeah. the chorus right. goes to a major key there's there's an interesting sort of key change that turns around and wraps around and gets back to the original key of C it's it's a very very well crafted record and well crafted it, song it really is and 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 that's all due to Leon Russell he was the arranger right Wow. And, and that that opens up another door for me to, to ask you about this, because I know that it's been a bit of a bone of contention. Well, maybe it hasn't. You'll tell me whether it's a bone of contention as to whether or not you relied heavily on, you know where I'm going with this, the Wrecking Crew studio musicians or your own band, because your was, band were all good players. 
Well, it was, I mean, myself and the Playboys played on every basic track. Right. We, we, we played the tracks. The, I mean, and we were all very young, so when it came time for solos and stuff, we didn't have it yet. Yeah. We yeah. just didn't have that, so... <clears throat> So we would hire a guitar player like Tommy Tedesco. Oh my gosh! Yeah, put put some things on, and and then uh, Leon Russell would overdub uh, all kinds of pianos and and harpsichord and clavinet, and I mean he he did all the keyboard overdubs, and we had Hal Blaine, Hal Blaine. a great drummer, sure. that 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 played the timpani on um, this diamond ring in the beginning. And uh, and then he just was at every session just in case we needed him for anything. Well, I have to I have to tell you, Gary, I've always been a sideman geek. Um, uh-huh. In in that you see an artist that you've you know you go to a concert and and you see the artist that you've you know whether it be a, a front man. I remember seeing Joe Cocker once and say, "Holy cow, that's Mike Finnegan playing him and B three organ. That's so and so play." You know because I've always been a, drawn to. Who else is up there? Because there, you know this better than anyone. There are a lot of times oh, yeah. when musicians have are uncredited, yet they contribute a lot. The guys from Motown and what have you, the Wrecking Crew, certainly. But I That's do right. have to tell you this. When I saw this band come out of post-cream Eric Clapton's career, and he put together Derek and the Dominoes, I said, there's yeah. something about that bass player that looks familiar. Carl Radel. Well, yeah, that's, that's Carl Radel. You know, tell tell uh, he, folks what he did earlier in his career. Well, he he uh, he always played with Leon Russell in in Tulsa, Oklahoma, right. and and, uh, and then he he played with me during all of our hits. He played on everything we did except this Diamond Ring, right. uh, because after this Diamond Ring, our bass player got drafted. And so we needed a bass player, so Leon called uh, Carl Radel to come out and play. And then I went into the Army in 67, and Carl had to, you know, go get other, had to get another job. So he got Derek and the Dominoes. And another thing about a great musician is that nobody knows, or, well, you know, except the people that really are into it, uh, that uh, great drummer Jim Keltner oh, was sure. a playboy. Right, right. And, I mean, he went yeah. on to play with everyone and record Everybody with everyone. Everybody in the world, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, he's still yeah. great. I, I I talk to him almost every day. No kidding. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Yeah, he's, he's just great. Now, one of the questions I've always had when talking with with, with stars and, and perf- as great musicians and that, who have had hits. Here's the thing that drives me crazy. And, and I think <laughs> you go to a wedding and feelings was the biggest thing. <laughs> and you go oh to the God, wedding and please. the guy decides he's going to do feelings. Uh-huh. And, of course, it's horrible. Horrible. Yeah. But it is in what you guys were just talking about. It is in the production of the record itself. Yeah. That makes a difference. Is that true? Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. Geez. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and the arrangement. Yeah, I've, you know, you know, the production. You know, you. I, I. Leon Russell was the arranger, but he was also the co-producer of everything. But he didn't. He didn't get credit for that. 
But he, him and Snuffy Garrett were always in the booth. Right. You know, right. and uh, Snuffy Garrett had the greatest knack for picking hit songs and knowing exactly when to put them out. You know, and, and you speak to that, Gary, because guys like Snuffy and Clive Davis and Lou yeah. Adler, there were guys that weren't known for playing or performing. In fact, some of them just didn't. I don't know what, what Snuffy's talents were as a, as a musician, but boy, that, to have that head for, I know a hit, I know how to create one, that's really a rare thing. Yeah, well, Snuffy Garrett didn't play anything. He wasn't a musician there at all. There you go. But he was he was raised in Lubbock, Texas, by the guy who became president of Liberty Records, a guy named Al Bennett. Al Bennett raised Snuffy from a kid, yeah. and he knew music. Al Bennett knew music, so Snuffy was raised with music, and uh, I, I just loved how how he he always used to say to me listen to this demo if it doesn't grab you in 10 seconds we're not doing it we're not doing it yeah and, and nope. some people just have a yeah. an instinct for that and and yeah. you know when you look at the string of hits that that you had it's it's extraordinary uh, I mean, I have, a, I have a dozen questions about every one of them, so I'm going to well, back off here. Well, go back, <laughs> just back off. Will you? No, but, no, now, here's a question, and I think I've asked you this before because I ask everybody in your ilk uh, the same okay. question. Do you do, I, I, I'm, I'm sure I asked you, but do you do the songs as originally recorded as close as you can, or do you find Absolutely. yourself changing? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And, we, and, we, and we don't vary from that. And that's the first thing I tell all the musicians uh, is that we are going to do this exactly yeah. like the record. And, and, and that's exactly what we do. We don't add anything to it because we could. But, but why? You know, people come to hear you play it just like they remember it. That's right. Yeah, and that's and, and for, you so. have such a, uh, an orientation to so many different categories of music. That, that is contrary to every instinct that a jazz player has. And, I mean, by the way, Dave, <laughs> Buddy Rich used to give lessons to Gary in the, in the garage. I, I, right? I read that. Yeah, yeah, they, Buddy Rich of all people. You know, yeah. you got a teacher? Yeah, it seems this guy's pretty good. What's his name? Buddy Rich. Hello. <laughs> but, but that, so that's contrary to every jazz instinct where improvisation yeah. and varying the performance from one to the next is, is sort of at the top of mind. But... I understand yeah. what you're saying. People go to hear, they want to hear Sure Gonna Miss Her. They, they want to hear Greengrass. They want to hear Diamond Ring. But they don't Ring. want the hear, phrasing change. Yeah. Right, they don't right. want, you know, because you're bored. They don't want the See, phrasing that's, change. That's the, that's the mistake that Ricky Nelson made, you know. He's, yeah. He started rearranging all his songs. And, and you know, I, I was at some shows that he was playing, and I almost didn't recognize the yeah, song. Right. Yeah, right. That, that's terrible because on one hand, you got to really appreciate the song because it made you what you are. And on the that's other right. hand, it's like, oh, i got to sing this again? Well, yeah, it's too bad. Oh, well, you know, if anybody feels that way, somebody should tell them, even though you're playing it for the billionth time, right. there are people out there that are hearing you do it the, for, exactly. for the very first yeah. time. Now, are you know, are you, do you know the name Jerry Granahan? No. Jerry Granahan uh, was um, uh, Dickie doing the don'ts in the uh, band and the band era, uh, brand, bandstand band era, and he yeah. produced he produced the Angels. My boyfriend's back. He produced oh, yeah, that stuff. Yeah. He produced, 
And he did a song, and of course, I'm not going to be able to remember the name of the song now, uh, <clears throat> where instead of a bass guitar, he had a bass drum that did, oh, did the bass line. Basically doing the bass line. Yeah, yeah. it was really interesting. And oh, wow. th- that song that he produced showed up on John Lennon's jukebox. Oh, wow. wow. In, yeah. in, in, in England, they did this series about what, what does John Lennon have on his jukebox in his home. Yeah. And this was one of the songs, and I can't remember the name of the song, and I'm sure you'd know it. Charlie <clears> would know. If and recognize Charlie it. Would yeah, know. maybe Charlie would. And, and, and I just wanted to say that, going back to that, that producer thing, that he right. was a guy said, well, let's use a bass drum instead of... Well, that opens up a a, a question. What Dave just said, uh, Gary, what is the most unusual production technique? I've been working with Hal Blaine and Joe Osborne and all those people. What what is it where where somebody said, we we got kind of an oddball idea, we're going to give it a try for the record, that you recall? I mean, that's kind of out of left field. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got a good one. Oh, good. On on, uh, on Sure Gonna Miss Her... um, you know how, how how the horns of the beginning go da 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 da. Yeah. Well, uh, we got trumpets in there to do that, but Leon Russell said, "You know something? I w- I want to slide up to that note. I want to slide up to." It. So we slowed the tape down to seven and a half and recorded trombones doing that. Oh. And then they sped it up to fifteen. And it sounds like trumpets, but it goes da 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 da. Right, because trumpets don't slide, but obviously no. trombones do. R- right, and, right. And so, and so and so you did it. As, that now that's really cool. I mean, that's, yeah, it uh, was that, cool. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to. Let me see. I'm trying Dave's to trying to cue it up so folks can hear it. If I make that, yeah. Let me see if I. Oh yeah, no, I'm gonna. Yeah. By the way, while he's doing that, Gary, I. Yeah, there it is. Oh, let me get it. Here we go. And is is that yeah, Tommy Tedesco? Is that Tommy that Tedesco that, pl- playing? Yes, the- it is. Yeah, that is Tommy. And that's cool, huh? Oh man! Yeah. To, to know how and, it's done. And there was another one too, that, that uh, in Save Your Heart for Me, uh, Snuffy Snuffy said, uh, "What do you think about putting the guitar?" Through a Leslie speaker. Oh yeah, and I, I said, "Well, I don't know what you're talking about, but go, do you do what you want to do, you know?" Well, and that became somewhat commonplace um, years afterward. Yeah, yeah, it um, did. Um, George yeah, Harrison, you know, Let we, It Be, we, guitar solo, and uh, and and elsewhere. Yeah, there it is. There's that distinctive sound of guitars through a Leslie. Very cool. Very cool stuff. Yeah, I, I have to yeah. tell you, though, Gary, my copy of this diamond ring, the 45, uh-huh. didn't sound like when you put the needle on that would go bop, 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 bop. It didn't sound like that. Mine sounded like this. <laughs> because I wore it out. <laughs> I played it five million times. And wasn't that the oh, one you tried to, tried to sell me on eBay? You tried to sell me that <laughs> with a Q groove in it. Like a, but I do want to ask you about the, about the um, recording of She's Just My Style. Because yeah. that's my favorite Gary Lewis and the Playboys song, personally. And uh, Yeah, yeah, I, almost I, mine too. I hope you'll take this in the best way that I intend it to mean. 
It has okay. a Beach Boy vibe to it. Is that was that intentional? Because yes. the vocal harmonies are incredible, and That's the arrangement exactly and was. that shuffle sound is just—it's yeah, a we great were, groove. We were going for that. That's exactly what Snuffy said. Let's do a Beach Boy type song. Well, okay. Listen to that. That's great. And and that's the. Go ahead. Go ahead, Gary. That's the first song that Jim Keldner played on. No kidding. Yeah. That's terrific. So now, when you when you hear this stuff, now that you've (laughs) heard it more than a few times, um, (laughs) does it bring you back to the to the moment in the studio as you're doing sure. it still holds sure. for you huh oh yeah there's all kinds of memories that flood back when i do the hits mm-hmm. yeah and in the yeah, crowds absolutely. the crowds sing along i'm sure you can see them if the lights in the house are bright enough to see the the audience oh, yeah, members singing yeah. every word along with you yeah. it was a great studio it was the same studio that the beach boys used um uh, I'm not sure who else used it, but the Beach Boys loved it. It was a studio called Western 3, and it was on Sunset Boulevard, and it was a great, great studio, small studio. Oh, yeah. How small? Um, it was so small that... <laughs> well, when everybody was set up, and ready to go, it was crowded. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, but that's that's what Leon Russell wanted, you know. Right. You get the feeling from Were him. Were the other guys, I'm thinking of like the Don Randys and, and, and Earl Palmer, were they involved in any of your sessions at, at all, Gary? Uh, Earl Palmer played on a couple album tunes. Okay. Uh, Don Randy, uh, he never played on anything. Really? But I, I stole Jim Keltner from him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now, now, for 60 years, here you are. Uh, um, when you stop and think about it, do you say to yourself, I can't believe it's that long? Oh, I mean, I, I, every time I think about it, I feel how blessed I am. Boy, you, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's a great feeling to have when so it many sure people have, have not fared as well. As you have, yeah. right? Can, yeah. Can you talk I, about over the course of those 60 years how you had an opportunity, particularly in the heyday of the band, to transition from the drummer to the front man playing guitar? A lot of people right. probably don't know that you play saxophone and clarinet. They probably don't know that you <laughs> ran a music store. This is your yes, life, yes. Gary Lewis. And here he is. And here's the musician yeah. who taught you how to play. You're the, you're the first person that knew that. <laughs> it's my job to know these things, Gary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was seven years old, I started playing drums, saxophone, and clarinet. But wow. somebody, and, wa- somebody wa- well, I don't know whether it was Snuffy or he had more to do with the studio recording than the onstage performance, but somebody said, let's get this kid out front. How did talk well, about how well, that no. came to be? The reason the reason I came out front is because I was behind the drums, behind all the cymbals, and the spotlight was right in my eyes. I never saw the crowd mm-hmm. at all. I and I've got I had too much energy to sit down the whole show. You know what they call so, that, Gary? Karen Carpenter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
Because well, she started I, on the drums. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Uh, well, the only reason is because I wanted to move like I felt. Uh, you know, I, I got some pretty good rock and roll moves still. Okay. <laughs> For a Jewish white guy. So, yeah, that's right. So I, yeah, right, right. So, so I came out front, played guitar. I was able to see the crowd, uh, you know, and seeing the the people mouthing the words right along with me yeah. was such a great feeling, you know. Uh, and I, I used to kid around with them. I'd say, I bet you guys didn't even know you remembered those words. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny, though, when you listen to oldies, and all of a sudden you're driving along and you absolutely can remember every lyric. That's right. It's, That's right. it's really That's stunning. That's right. <laughs> I got a memory like that too. I sing along to every Beatles song that I ever hear. Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And it's amazing how you re you remember the the lyrics. Not only do you remember the lyrics, if you're like me, Gary, you remember the song lineup on the album, because when you finish singing along with one song, you expect the next one you, that was on you, the album. You know what you. the next one is, yeah. and and I do, I yeah. do that. I start singing the next tune. Does it still um, give you a little schwelkes uh, uh, to um, to hear your record pop up on uh, whatever you're listening to? Serious radio. Or, I, or, yeah. I mean, I do enjoy it. I, I do like it. Uh, but I've had this thing my entire career that I really don't want to hear myself sing. Oh, really? Really? Why? I, I don't know what that is. I, hmm. I really don't know what that is. Uh I don't know. For some reason, it just kind of bothers me a little bit. But and you know, who knows where that came from? But it, it's nothing. It's no big deal. Well, it's interesting though because in show business, it seems to me, or or performers or broadcasters, so much of your life is in it's engulfs so much of your life. Certainly yours. And um, yeah. And to to hear you say, "Well, I'm not that crazy about." Uh, you know, I mean, I've had a, a broadcasting voice that's kept me out of the big time for there years, which I say. <laughs> but, but, um, but in someone like yourself, when everybody wants to hear you sing, I mean, that's that's great stuff. Well, you know, I I just I love I love playing to the crowd because they they are having a great time, right. you know, and it's really weird. Uh, like, like about a year ago, I had a dream that all my fans died. <laughs> oh, there's a happy story. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. I do stand up. My audiences do that during my they, act. Yeah, no. they, yeah, Actually, when, when Dave goes out on stage, he dies. That's what happens. Well, I'm am so glad I woke up. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this from out of left field. I tried to find this on YouTube and I I couldn't, but I remember this from a young age, watching okay. one of the shows that you were on, either Hullabaloo or Shindig or one of those, and I know you did them all. And there was like all variety musical variety shows. It was an ensemble cast of people that they'd bring in each week. You know, Barry Maguire, ladies and gentlemen, and here's you know the Righteous right. Brothers. And you did an introduction for the actor and singer Noel Harrison. Do you yeah, remember right. that? I sure do. Do you remember that you said something like, and I'm remembering this from when it first aired. I have not found the video of this. I'm sure it's out there. You said something like, you know, because Noel Harrison is the son of Rex Harrison, 
we really don't want to exploit the fact that he comes from showbiz and therefore his fame and fortune have been unearned. So I want you to meet, and how, how did you introduce him? I don't remember. I'll tell you. You said he's, ladies and gentlemen, I'm happy to introduce George Harrison's father, Noel oh, Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, that's a bit yeah. that somebody wrote, you know, yeah. for you to, to, to right. read off, wrote, read off a cue wrote, card. They wrote that, And yeah. I, again, I have not found the video. You can find every video that's ever existed in, since time immemorial on, on yeah. YouTube. But I yeah. remember it because I watched it when I was a kid. And Still I thought remembers. that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, uh, uh, Gary, there's somebody else that uh, uh, just came in, my friend. Charlie Quintel is here. Hi, Hi. Charlie. How you doing? Hi, Dave. Um, Hi, Gary. Now, Hi, I got my heart set on you. Da, 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 that's uh, a George uh, Harrison song. What is that? What's the name of it? I've what got, is that? Do you, do you know I've that, got my Gary? mind set on you. Oh, yeah, my I, mind set on I you. Know, that's the song. I know that tune. I like it. Yeah, well, yeah. that's the song that... Uh, um, that we uh, were talking about, Granahan produced. Hold on, somebody. Hello, you're on the radio. Uh, on the radio? Gosh, I should have gotten dressed. Oh, here's, here's <laughs> Rick Sapphire. <laughs> Rick Sapphire, good pal. Is there, of, uh, Gary. is there enough room in the studio for all these people? We're doing good. I but love I, it. I wanted, Rick, thanks for calling in. I wanted Charlie to tell um, Gary uh, when you work together. Oh, uh, Christine's uh, down Cape Cod, Mass. Do you remember that, Gary? By any chance? Uh, Probably not. No. What year? Do you remember no. what year it was? Oh, I can't. About? I'm, I'm pretty old. 19 buh 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> that's exactly uh, right. I, I don't remember, but it, it'd be a lot easier to tell everybody where I haven't played. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's for sure, huh? That's really terrific. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so I'm a close friend of Freddie Cannon. Uh, I did a lot of work with him in the studio. I love Freddie Cannon. Yeah, I know you do because he loves you. And he's you, the greatest. You know he's not performing anymore. You know. You know I know. Yeah, I you know. know why. Yeah. 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 It's a shame because Jeanette's such a wonderful he's person. Here. He's caring for his wife. Yeah. 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 Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's terrific. And uh, and somebody else who was going to call in is uh, our pal Tom Cuddy. Oh yeah. Who's going to? Yeah. I call asked. In. Uh, he basically I. I introduced him to Freddie many years ago, and uh, he does a lot of Freddie's work. Are you familiar with him at all, Gary? Tom Cuddy? Tom Cuddy. From New York. He no, was, uh, no. No. He, he's a uh, boss at iHeartRadio now. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, uh, anyway, he, he handles a lot of Freddie's stuff now. Freddie loves him, you know. And, yeah. But uh, I called him, and I asked him to, if he possibly could call in, and Freddie's not doing anything at all with entertainment or yeah. music. Yeah. So, Gary, right. you, I re saw one interview with you. You talked about the grueling experience of, of, <clears throat> of touring with the uh, Happy Together Tour. Right. And, and that it was a lot, a lot of shows in a lot of cities in a short amount of time. time. And you said, yeah, well, yeah, it, this, is, this is for kids in their 20s to do. Talk about exactly that. That's exactly right. It, it's a 20-year-old it's a tour. And here's all these seventy-year-old guys. You know, tell tell for, for the folks who don't know who I know the acts change from year to year, but who who were you out with on the Happy Together tour? Well, um, I, I did. I first did the Happy Together tour in 1985. Wow! And that was that was with the Grassroots, the yep. Buckinghams, and the Turtles. And then I did it in 2013. It was. 
myself, Gary Puckett, um, Chuck Negron of Three Dog Night, jeez, um, uh, oh, and Mark Lindsay. Wow. And and there'd be a core band that would back up all the acts, and they would come out and do their thing, and then all gather on stage together. But it was very grueling because you were, you know, on buses and heading all over the country, was it not? Oh, oh absolutely. I mean, you know, we'd have, we'd have to leave right after the gig and drive like 500 miles, yeah. and we'd get there in time to take a quick nap and go to the show. You know, it was it was it was grueling, and I did it again in 2014. But uh, after two months, I started getting sick because uh, you know no sleep and all yeah, that. So right. I, I had to quit. I well, had to I'm, quit that tour. I'm going to drop a name that you would know because he had been musical director on a lot of those tours. He's a Facebook friend of mine. I've heard him play. Never met him face to face, but Godfrey Townsend. Um, oh, did you interact yeah, with Godfrey a lot? As oh, was he musical director when you were on the Happy Together tour? Yeah, yeah, he was, and uh, you know we got along just fine. He was great, great guitar player. Went on to work with John Entwistle of the Who, Jack Bruce, a whole lot of other guys, and right, uh, Alan Parsons. Oh, sure, right, right, right. Yeah, uh, boy, this is a thrill to talk to you. It really is, Gary. Well, we can tell Thank you're you. really into this. You really I just, know this. I'm stuff. saying I got to pick his brain. I want to find out every little anecdote about everything that went right and everything that went wrong. And, you, and, all, and all the <laughs> choices you've had. Career. And all the choices you've had, Moran. You've never once offered oh. to pick my brain. Thank you very much. Uh, now, Charlie Quintel is is, uh, is also a musician and worked with a, a lot of, of great people. Open for a lot of great people. And um, when I told him I was going to have you on, he remembered it right away from the Cape. Yeah. 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 Nicest guy I ever worked with, Gary. You Gary? were. Yeah. I, I've been asked, what do you think of Gary Lewis? I said, wonderful guy. You know, just a nice guy. I know you oh, don't man. remember me because it was a one night deal there. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. You, and you do many of those. Actually, know? what he told me, what Charlie told me, Gary, he said, when you tell me about Gary Lewis. And he said, well, he was always nice to me. Well, that, that's, that's cool. That's cool. I, I actually am nice. To, to, to I don't doubt that. Well, that the that's what Freddie told me all about. Well, you know the I, you know the story about about uh, the guy saying um, uh, that Frank Sinatra saved his life. Why is he? I was out in the back of a of a casino in Vegas, and there were three guys beating the hell out of me. He said, and I heard Frank say, "Okay, that's enough." That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. You know, we don't want you to tell the stories of show sixty years in show business of the <clears throat> the you know the the terrible people that you've encountered, or or contrary to their image, they were really not very nice. Because I'm well, sure you I, have I would those. Never I would never say their names anyway. Yeah, that's yeah, kissing yeah, and telling, yeah. and that's not a good yeah. thing to do. But You know, there, there's a lot of people in the business that uh, are not humble at all. They think they're, they're, they think they're higher than God. Yeah. They, don't, they don't even talk to their fans. They don't sign autographs. And, uh, you know, I've reminded these people that you are where you are because of them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, right. uh, you know, and there's there's two people especially, but you'll never know who I mean. 
Now, 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 yeah, there's got to be somebody, without mentioning a name, there must be an incident where somebody snubbed you or did whatever, and then later on, you got a chance to kind of ring their bell and say, surprise. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'll bet there's somebody, no? No, No, okay. No. Not even even Rick Sapphire? I don't get it. I mean. Uh, Well, maybe him, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm the top on his list for that. Now Rick called. Rick called in because one of the things he's got a new book out. That's right. It's not out yet. It's not well, out. All right. Not tell, out yet, but it will be. Well, tell me about what the book's going to be. Well, uh, the book is. Go ahead, Gary. Do you, you think he minds me saying it? Oh no, I don't think he'll be offended oh, at all. Know. Go ahead. Well, it's, it's a book about my dad, and it's a, it's a book that doesn't sugarcoat things. You know, it's uh, it's the truth. Yeah. Okay. It's, and, a, it's yeah. a true book. Okay. So you can, if people read that, you know, a lot of people aren't going to believe it, but. <laughs> well, I think more people will believe it now, you yeah. know, with the social media and everything. People have heard stuff. And, and, and I told you the last time we we spoke was that you're, you're standing up and, and, and allowing your, your sister to have some DNA evidence uh, was, a, was a great well, and a yeah. very wonderful thing to do. Everybody deserves to know where they came from. Right. Yeah, yeah, very good. So I didn't mind doing that for her. Mm. You know, what's the big deal? Mm. You know, and every, everybody, well, not everybody, but yep. parts of the family said, how could you do that? Yeah. What do you mean, how could I do that? <laughs> she <laughs> stuck a swab in my mouth, and that was it. That's that it. was the end of it. Yeah. That's how it's done. And so the book's going to be called what, Rick? Uh, the book is going to be called The Real Jerry Lewis Story, but we've added something to that title. Uh, the book is now going to be called The Real Jerry Lewis Story, Volume 1. Jeez. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Hey, th- that's more impressive. Yeah, because it's yeah. more residual. That's why that's why I like it. <laughs> there, there is so much stuff. We're, we're at about, and the book will be released in a few months. We're at about 350 pages now. And uh, so we're going to we're going to jump over. But there's going to be, you know, Gary has been kind enough uh, in in this book uh, to help out getting the truth out. Uh, And even if it hurts a little bit, and I I know it does, but sometimes it's important for people to understand uh, the truth. And that really when you when you talk about Gary's success throughout the years, uh, it wasn't all that easy growing up. Uh, to, be, to become very successful and to appreciate his fans. I think Gary realizes uh, one thing, that you have to be kind to your original fans, because no matter how long you're in the business, they're the ones who will always support you. And Gary was related to a guy who not only didn't uh, like his original fans, he, he, he despised his fans. And so Gary, fortunately, didn't learn that from uh, the man who uh, who he called Dad, among other yeah. things. Uh, like that. Okay. But, well, uh, I, I, I listen. I I have been fascinated by all of this, and you know, one of the things that I don't think gets mentioned enough is uh, we talk about how you don't want to um, use your father's name in the beginning or anything. To, but here's what happens. People see you now or before now and say, oh, yeah, well, he's, he got famous because he's Jerry Lewis's kid. But the, the reality is that once you hit the stage, yeah. 
You better be able yeah. to deliver something. Right. Exactly. And that's what people that's right. fail to see. They say, oh, well, he got, well, maybe I got on stage. Maybe I got in backstage uh, because of the name. But then it's my turn to hold up the boat. All I would say to those who would come to that conclusion is listen to those incredible records. Yep. Gary Lewis was a hit machine in that's the 1960s. Right. My dad wasn't there with me. No, right. no. Right. And, and see... Go on YouTube and look at his performances, past and present, yep. and you're going to see uh, uh, just a, uh, an incredible talent and, and a, a tremendous gift. Okay, do genetics play into that? Perhaps. Has Gary yeah. ever looked at me and said, hey, lady, no. But no. <laughs> and, Gary, and, and, uh, and Gary doesn't do comedy on stage right. the funny right. stuff that i do is within the music yeah. yes yeah. yeah yeah i i do have to ask though when you like everything you touch turned to gold was there an effort and i know you did some shows and sometimes with dad but were there those who said okay now we got to get him a sitcom now we got to put him in this setting a movie and did they try to pull you into a thousand different pieces as they so often do with those who hit it very big no really no, boy that was a long question for that answer <laughs> <laughs> no. no and and besides if they did i wouldn't have done it cuz you yeah. were about the music I am a musician. There you go. Yeah, you knew who Period. you were from the beginning. Yeah, very cool. Although I think it's a little tacky to make your father pay for tickets to see you, but other than that, <laughs> uh, I, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you doing this. We wanted to celebrate uh, your uh, your sixty years and more in the sense of how much people have gotten from you. And uh, and I hope you'll consider coming back again. I know when the book is ready, uh, Rick sure. Sapphire will be, be great. sitting out in my driveway waiting to make me <laughs> have him on. That's where I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but Thank you very much. But Gary, um, rimshot, rimshot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, well, it's been my pleasure, too. Well, will you do it again someday down sure, the road? Sure. All right. Well, God bless you, sir. Thank you so much. And, and as a Thank fan, you. Gary, as a fan, i got to tell you that this has been a great thrill to be able to sit across the table from a speaker with your voice coming out of it. It's just the greatest thing. Oh, thank you so much. And, uh, Charlie, um, you had a good time, I, I mean, know. I enjoyed it when I was lost. <laughs> he was, he was, was lost trying to get here. We listened to the yeah, whole well, show. Yeah, driving. I was listening to the <laughs> show. Uh, but I told you next time, don't let Rick drive. There <laughs> you go. Okay. Yeah. Gary, God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank All right. you. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye now. Bye. And uh, Rick Sapphire is still here. Boy, Rick, now I met... Gary through Rick Sapphire. Rick was a was a manager for Jerry Lewis, for, for Gary's dad, a uh, hundred oh. years ago. I right? thought I first thought that came to my mind was Jerry Lee Lewis. No, oh. no, <laughs> no, no, no. Wait uh, a minute, please, no, yeah. Uh, Rick, yeah, it's very interesting because if you if you uh, uh, go online and you ask uh, some questions on Google about you know what were Jerry Lewis's hit records and his recordings. Uh, invariably, it will mistakenly come yep. up with Jerry Lee. Jerry Lee, Lee. Lewis. yeah, a lot. Yeah. Yep. And there's there's an interesting there's going to be an interesting uh, segment uh, in the book regarding Jerry Lee Lewis because there was an argument between Jerry Lee Lewis <laughs> and Jerry Lewis, Ooh. and the argument was uh, very reasonable because 
Jerry Lee Lewis's name at birth was Jerry Lewis. And oh. Jerry Lewis, the comedian's name at birth, was Jerome Levitt. Levitt, right. right. And you'll read in the book about the fact that even though Jerry feigned trying to have his name changed, he, he never actually legally oh. had his name changed to Jerry Lewis. Uh, and there are some more bombshells in the book that it comes up. But so Jerry Lee Lewis, he didn't want to use the middle name Lee. He wanted to use his name, Jerry Lewis. Right. But he couldn't do it because he was getting opposition from the unions and so on and so forth. Right. And so he opted to put the Lee in the middle. But even today, it still creates a lot of confusion, which uh, which is uh, really really sad thing. But I just want to give a couple of uh, little statistics here that. The listeners uh, might find interesting. Gary's first uh, release, his first seven releases, went to the top ten, which I think is still a record wow. uh, nowadays. <clears throat> his first seven. seven releases. It took Dean Martin seventeen years to get seven records into the top ten. Wow. Gary did it within a few months. <laughs> and um, uh, Dean's uh, biggest hit, of course, was Everybody Loves Somebody Sometimes, and that only went up to number 10 uh, on the top 10. And Jerry Lewis, without the Lee in the middle, Gary's dad, although he recorded scores of, of records, uh, both for Capitol and for Decca records, uh, Jerry only had one hit record. And of course, that was Rockabye Your Baby. Yeah. And that only made it up to number ten. So Gary Lewis, uh, in the um, in the family tradition here, Gary is the the heavyweight champion. You go. of record. Yeah, mm. yeah. Rick, when, what is the publication date of the book? Uh, still writing we're, it. We're, we're, oh, right. well, yeah. Actually, we're still. Uh, what we're doing is we're we're hoping to have the announcement of the publication date on March sixteenth, which is Jerry Lewis's birthday. And shortly thereafter, the book will be available. Uh, it's taken a little longer than we've expected, but there is so much incredible stuff in the book. Uh, some things that that are, as Gary said, unbelievable, but it's 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 the truth. But true. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it's uh, you know we're we're starting to open up a little bit to answer some questions now. But uh, in the book, we will talk about the real reason, never before published why Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis broke up when they did. They were always going to break up because their style of comedy was no longer... Uh, you know, people become famous uh, for two reasons. Either they do something incredibly terrible, uh, like uh, take a shot at a politician, uh, and that makes them famous without having to, you know, do much else. But as far as entertainers, actors, actresses, <clears throat> you, become, you can only become famous if there's a need for what you have to offer the public. Right. Let me hold you. Uh, hold you. I have a call. Hello, you're on the radio. What is this? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Go. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I like that person. Who yeah. is that? I, I, uh, you didn't know that uh, Dave was close friends <laughs> with Topo Gigi. Thank did you, you very much. <laughs> Just wanted to drop <laughs> that in. Go ahead. Because I, I, I need some solar panels, and if you get any calls, <laughs> anybody's selling solar panels. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about renewing your automobile warranty. Yeah, exactly right. They 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 they, they, t they call me. And they ask me about you know uh, to cover my burial costs, and I tell them I've been dead for three years. There you go. So please please take me off the list. <laughs> huh. 
You were saying, Rick. Uh, I don't remember. Well, you know, well, one of the things we were talking about um, was or one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and I know it's, I'm sure it's probably in the book. Why, I know, I don't, were you still with or close to get, um, to Jerry uh, before he passed? When was the last time you were directly involved with him? The last time I was directly involved with him, it was actually, uh, I guess it was 2014, when I had a sensational date for him. I will be very honest, as I am all the time when it comes to Jerry in the book. I knew Jerry from the time I was six years old. I was known to be his uh, protege in all the newspapers. I mean, that's what I read about myself anyway. He was very kind to me. He had me as his guest, only guest on the panel of The Tonight Show in 1962 when he was guest host between Jack Parr and Johnny Carson. He did wonderful things for me. My uncle was his personal manager, so on and so forth. So we had a very close, warm relationship. As he got older and he lost his edge comedy-wise, he just became a very unhappy, mean person. So what is it that, so what is it that do you think, is you think this is the reason he suddenly decides that none of the kids are getting any money? Uh, he decided that. First of all, he decided that the, the will that was written, and I, I to this day, I don't believe that was his signature on the will, but uh, he, he signed that will five years before he died. So it wasn't in his last, I mean, he was still pretty active five years before he, before he passed away. Gary was not sitting around waiting for money to come in from daddy. Uh, and right. you know, people people ask Gary when he stood up for his sister Susan. Uh, and if the listeners don't know that, uh, Jerry had a uh, an out of wedlock uh, daughter, uh, and um, and Jerry could could for many reasons could never um, give her the attention that she needed. He was never he was never willing to publicly verify the fact that she was his daughter. Gary came along and agreed to do a DNA test, which I arranged between Inside Edition, the TV show, uh, Gary and Susan. And uh, they did their DNA test, and it came out that it was a slam dunk. Excuse me, that there was no doubt that Susan was Gary's half-sister, which, of course, uh, meant that Susan was Jerry's, uh, 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 Jerry's daughter. But people often ask Gary, aren't you afraid that you're going to be cut out of your father's will for doing that? And the fact is, it never crossed Gary's mind. Right. I got I to gotta, hold you on that response because I'm getting close <laughs> to uh, the top of the hour here. But I want right. to find, make sure you come back. So we can talk about all of this stuff. I didn't want to, you know, taint it too much because we're celebrating Gary's great success. You're exactly right. And You're sixty exactly right. years of the anniversary is really terrific of, of working. Uh, my friend Charlie Quintel made a drive in from a long way away long to be here, and uh, also Mr. Moran who came in because they wanted to uh, make this contribution to to Gary. Do I have time to ask one question of all of the, your musical experts that you have? Yeah, there? go ahead. You got a minute? Go. This is going to be. A quickie, I promise. Go. Uh, Gary uh, Gary uh, uh, got a gold record on this diamond ring. Right. 
How come he didn't get two gold records? Because whatever was on the flip side also sold a million copies. Charlie, oh, Charlie couldn't tell. The record, the record company did that. The re- record company is in charge of the gold records. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and so why wouldn't they? He get one for each then? Because they didn't have yeah, somebody like a go, Tom Cuddy there. Re- <laughs> okay. When you go into a record store and buy a record. That nobody knew which side you were buying it for. Right. I think yeah. Chubby Checker, one of his. Well, I, that's what he said. Yeah, the flip side. yeah, that's yeah. what that's what Charlie yeah. said. He said the, 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 they determine what side gets the credit for the sale. Yeah. because they right. produce the record. I'm right out of time. Yeah. Hey, Rick, thank Rick, you so much. What a thrill! Thank you. Thank you for everything. We'll talk soon. Okay. Talk to you soon. Right? All right, great. Uh, there goes Rick Sapphire, and he uh, and I met. A long time ago, and I, I could tell you a whole story, but I don't have time. Instead, what I'm going to tell you is Mr. Moran's hanging out. You going to hang out for a little bit? Or do I, you have to go? I you got to go? I have to be back. All right. Well, um, yeah. boy, I have to roll that all the way in. Uh, that's all right. I tried. I, I know you did. I know. <laughs> uh, we'll be back. Stay tuned. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Final hour, Kane and Company. Today, you and me on the radio till noontime. Are you ready? <laughs> want to say good morning, good morning to all police and fire personnel, civil servants, health care employees, and good old number 41. All right. This is Mike Moran's favorite Gary Lewis and the Playboy song. She's just my style. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I was fascinated by what I heard today from, uh, from Gary and, uh, from, of course, from Rick Sapphire. Uh, I wasn't that thrilled with what I heard from Moran, but what can I tell hey. you? Hey, you know. <clears throat> and Charlie Quintel, who, who drove all the way in from Fall River. and uh, Fall River? I, I, I think he's further away than that. Oh, no, hey, Westport now. Yeah, that's okay. right, Westport. Thank you. Uh, you're from Fort River area, but that's right. And anybody, I try to really be cool. Uh, and then uh, I was dying because he wasn't getting here. I thought, where is he? <laughs> Where's Charlie? And then he texted me and asked me to <laughs> text him the address of the station. Now he's been here before, but for some reason he got losted. What a what a thrill talking <laughs> to Gary Lewis. Well, I could tell. I don't think I've seen you that well excited about and and and, and, and it, it was great. I just, um, you know, it's it's funny, but you're you speaking for myself. My taste in music, if you want to call it that, yeah. has evolved over the years to the point where I was a kid growing up listening to the Beatles and all the British Invasion bands and the American response to that with great groups like the Rascals and Gary Lewis and the Playboys and... Gary Puckett and all the people that Gary was talking about having worked with. And then, you know, I started to become more interested in like the progressive rock and and Jimi Hendrix came along and Eric Clapton. And then I kind of said, well, wait a minute. Some of these guys have little side projects where they're doing more jazz. And I became a jazz fan. And... Speaking for myself, something I should not have done is say, well, you know, that music I listened to when I was growing up, mm-hmm. eh, it wasn't, I mean, the Beatles were always the default setting as, yeah, you know, right. the best. But I kind of was dismissive of some of the other music that I had enjoyed as a kid. And I liked it sort of nostalgically, but I didn't open my ears to just what went into 
the details of the radio of the uh, audio production and the studio uh, performances by uncredited studio musicians. I said, you know, gosh, I wish I knew who was playing piano on this particular hit record, you know. I mean, the, the leader is the singer or the guitar player, but boy, there's a great piano part there, and there's no liner notes on the album saying who the players are. Yeah. Well, now you have the internet. So I sort of made it my business to sort of find out about some of these people and say they ought to be, you know, if I, if I mentioned the name James Jamerson to you, you wouldn't know who that is, but he mm. was one of the most sought-after bass players in the Motown stable. Yeah, He's yeah. on all the records of Stevie Wonder and and the Supremes yeah. and mm. Marvin Gaye. Well, and what was the group of musicians you mentioned? Oh, the, the, wrecking, crew. the wrecking Crew. The Wrecking right, Crew were the right, West right. Coast studio yep, guys yep, like yep. Leon Russell. Yeah. A lot of people were introduced to Leon Russell when Joe Cocker put together Mad Dogs and Englishmen and right. went on the road with this huge group. Yeah. You know, the background singers were people like Rita Coolidge, and the bass player was Carl Radel, who was one of Gary Lewis and the Playboys. And all these great, great players. And a lot, and then I learned that Leon Russell, this long-haired, crazy-looking guy with a big top hat and the wraparound glasses who just looked like he was from another planet, he played on Strangers in the Night with Sinatra because he was part <laughs> of the studio group. How about that? And he was from Oklahoma. Yeah. And he made his way to California and became known for his good playing. Yeah, and, and you've yeah, done a lot of homework because in, in, uh, <laughs> well, you, you surprised Gary that you knew well, he played sax and yeah, clarinet. Because I've, I've gone back and discovered these things because folks like Gary that have been doing this for so long they deserve their full story to be told, I think, because, mm. yeah, we all like Green Grass and we all like uh, This Diamond Ring and we like Save Your Heart For Me and all the great songs. But I listen to those with different ears now than I did when I was a kid. I listen, I think, a little bit more um, carefully to see how the songs are crafted and how the recordings are done. And it means a lot to me as somebody who plays a little bit and have done so for a lot of years. And so, you know, you get a chance to talk with a guy like him. And like you pointed out several times, 60 years in the business. Long time. There's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. 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 So, so that was a thrill. And, yeah. and being around a guy like Charlie. Charlie Quintel. When, yep. You know, when I was a kid growing up, there were the local. Big names. Big names that were the best known. Yeah. Um, playing the clubs, playing the private events, playing, mm -hmm. uh, you know. And Charlie Quintel and Talk of the Town, and I, I got to meet all the guys. I got, in fact, I got a, this is probably 20 years ago, but Jack Andrews, who had been Charlie's regular bass player for years and years and years, yeah, I, remember I think him, he sure. had surgery and in December. And Charlie called me and said, you work on New Year's Eve? I said, no. He said, why don't you come and work with me? And we played at, uh, in Johnston, the 10... 1025 1025 Club. Club. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Frank Santos, the hypnotist, was it was <laughs> okay. it was uh, we played during dinner and then we played for dancing afterward. Yeah. And I'm yeah. up there on stage with Charlie Quintel. I'm, I mean, and that was a, that was a, a thrill for me. And I've since run into him, sat in mm. with him. He sat in on some gigs that that I was playing, and just to have him standing to the side of me as he did one day last year and sing, um, "Take Me As Take I me Am." As I am. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. is, you know, it's like, Powerful. wow, it Powerful. is. It, yeah. It's meaningful yeah, yeah, yeah. to me because, you do know. You, do you remember, you, you say the 1025 Club, do you remember the setup there? We talk about this. I think Charlie and I did. 
they had in in the in the old days, they used to do a lot of showers, baby. You know, I mean, showers for married right. people and and anniversaries, and, and they do them all on the same night. <laughs> like they'd have, you know, the, the ostrich family over here yeah. and da da da. Right. And but they had the room was set up like a V. Okay. The room was a huge area set up like a V, and the stage was at the bottom of the V. Okay. So the band played. To both for sides. two events, for three or four events, they wow. would they would put them in. It was well. Like, I I mentioned the, the place to you once, and you said, "Oh yes, the Johnston Civic Center." <laughs> yeah, that's right. And 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 you would play. Uh, and I played it once. I, I performed once. They then, and but they they would have Frank Santos, or they'd have a magician, or they'd have somebody right. else, and the band. And but they would play to everybody. They would play. It would be. Somebody's birthday, and so it was a crazy place. <laughs> I, I I didn't realize that at the time. Yeah, yeah, it was really something. Yeah, and so so that was fun to play. But and and um, for many many years, Charlie worked with a tenor sax player named Pete Vanasse, who was mm-hmm. just an outstanding player. He would he'd be featured on like Harlem Nocturne, which is a great saxophone song, yeah, yeah. instrumental. And I got to work with Pete, and I had to I had the chance to work with Pete. Away from Charlie from time to time, you know, here and there with, you get a call, hey, can you show up here, wear this, here's what it pays, yeah. don't be yeah. late. Yeah. And you'd show up and because people kind of, we all know the songs, we know what. <laughs> well, that was the thing. You know, yeah, and you say, oh, it's just the key you gotta, right? Yeah, right. If there's a singer, you got to worry about the right. key. If right. not, you're all set, right? right? Yeah. right. And yeah. if you can transpose in your head, I you remember can play one time there was a group. I won't say the name of the group, but there was a group, and they were going to play backup for the uh, uh, Charlie Brown, the Coasters. Okay. And I was the opening act. I was the comedian. <laughs> I was the opening act. And I you was were the alleged for, comedian. Yeah, right. <laughs> and their their musical director guy came in. He was a bass player, and he came in, and he was going through everything. With the band, yeah, with you know, run through, right, run through the band. Nobody there yet, you know, people setting up tables. And I, so he turned and he said to the guitar player, the rhythm guy, "Shut off your amplifier." <laughs> <laughs> he said, really? "What?" He said, "You can play. Shut off your amp." And Ooh. so the guy played the show with his amp off. With his amp off, yeah, and. Uh, the other guy, the, the bass guy, took care of it took, or did whatever. Did whatever. Yeah. yeah. And compensated somehow. Oh, it was real. Yeah. I'd never seen that's that tough. before. That was, but you know. And uh, Chuck Berry, um, okay. he would come in. Did oh. you, you know this. He yeah. would give me, at the time, I'll say it was five five hundred thousand dollars whatever. No, it was about five grand. He'd come in. That's what it was. He needed to be paid in cash. Yeah, and they became, but he came in and he wanted a certain guitar tuned. Right. So he'd come, uh, and a lot of times I wouldn't be tuned. I, and one time, his whole first, his whole opening was tuning his guitar. Everybody's yelling and applauding and yeah, laughing, yeah. And, and he's tuning the guitar. And if the if the guitar was tuned and everything went well, he'd give a thousand dollars back. <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. Yep. So he'd only charge you four. That doesn't sound like Chuck, but okay. Well, yeah, that's that was well, because he wanted everything done. And I remember um, I. Was repping um, oh, the name of the group, the DeSotos. They okay. were an acapella oldie group, and th- at, this was at Garden City, in uh, you know, in, Cranston. in Cranston. So he flies into TF Green, 
Chuck does. Yep. They, yep. They, they, Chuck Berry. And they drive him over, and he gets out of the car just in time for the show to start. <laughs> the MC uh, introduces him. He comes up. He picks up the guitar. And he, ding, 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 ding. Everybody's laughing, applauding, thinking that he's screwing around. Right, right. And then he just turns around, and he's, he's facing the band now so he can see what, the, what he's going to play, right. what chords he's going to yeah. play. And he starts, and he starts playing. And that was... And then he finished, put the put the guitar down. He had already got paid, so right, somebody right. need him when he and came. Off up. he goes. Back in the car, back to the airport. <laughs> There's a film that was done, a documentary film, featuring Chuck Berry called "Hail Hail Rock and Roll," and it was directed by uh, a guy by the name of. Uh, doesn't matter. Um, okay. Yeah, it does matter because yeah. I I interviewed the guy. Well, you'll think of it in a minute. Yeah. Whoops. Whoop. Oh, we'll be back. All right, back we are with my friend Mike Moran. And uh, <clears throat> we've been celebrating the Gary Lewis's 60 years in showbiz. Count me in, Dave. All right. <clears throat> I was just about to count them out, too. All right, now, the name of the person yeah, you started the person, to tell a story the about. The director was, of the of Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll was yeah. a documentary about oh, Chuck Berry. Okay. Taylor Hackford oh, okay. was the name of the uh, director. He also directed uh, Jamie Foxx in the great film Ray. I think he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Director. Anyway, he produced this film, directed this film uh, that's a documentary about Chuck Berry. And Chuck put a band together to play, I think, in Detroit, big concert, so the documentary shows the rehearsals and a lot of Chuck on camera talking about his childhood and visiting his boyhood home, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. And so the band included, um, basically as musical director, Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones. Oh, yeah. Who has a reputation of being a wild man, right? Mm -hmm. And Chuck is being difficult in the rehearsals. No, that's not right. No, play it this way. No, and I'm thinking, and, and it got to the point where Keith Richards had to sort of sit him down and say, hey, you're driving the guys crazy, you know. You gotta, you gotta kind of stop doing this trick. And I yeah. was thinking, how crazy must you be when you're in the band and Keith Richards is the disciplined one? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Trying to maintain order. Yeah, sure. Is uh, a, a little outside. So I, I, I have some other... Anecdotes I've heard about Chuck about him being difficult and temperamental and, yeah, and so yeah, forth. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and, and that's like we were talking to Gary about, to Gary Lewis in the, right. in the first hour, uh, l last hour. He, he said, you got to be nice to people. You know, yeah, that's, that's... Well, you got to realize... The fans so, uh, are the ones uh, who got you where we, you right, are. Right, but with, with talent and everything, you got to realize that it's, uh, uh, so much of it is luck. So much sure. of it is, I mean, you know... You you it it's it, it, it's like comedy you know you can do a, a routine if I was thinking about this last night because <clears throat> you can do a routine and an audience will love it and pound the tables and laugh right. and you can walk into the next room with another group of people and look at a Crickets. painting yeah Crickets. all next to it you know uh, so in addition to having worked hard and studied and right. tried to be and Time having talent all, and everything, you know, but you know, an audience, by the way, takes on, I think we talked about this one, it takes on one personality. Mm -hmm. You get a group of strangers. Now, I don't care if they're watching a, a play or a band or comedians. The group has this 
like or dislike as a group. They're all different people, voted for different people, live in different... But when they get together, all of a sudden, it's a group that likes knock-knock jokes. (laughs) You know, I mean, you can tell as you're working, oh, this will kill them. Or, oh, they'll love this one. Right, right. Oh, you'll be surprised. I was playing, what you're saying triggers a thought. I was playing uh, one of the bands that I work with. There's a group from Cape Cod called the Mojo Kings. Classic rock, funk music, soul music. Good musicians, good guys. And um, we're playing at a, uh, a sports bar uh, in Mashpee, Mass. Yeah. A place called Dino's. Very nice place. And we were set up, and we're up against the wall, and there's a very nice hardwood dance floor. And then there were tables in front of us and on either side of us where people come and have dinner and what have you. Um, And so the big table that's right directly in front of the band, although with some distance because there's a a dance floor. Dance floor, right. Is set up for like 12 people. And in walk these 12 people, the youngest of whom was 75. <laughs> okay. We're going to rock the place, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I look at the keyboard player and kind of with this attitude, it's like, uh-oh, this is not the crowd because now they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna sit down to dinner. They think they're going to have a quiet dinner because they've come just before the band is going to go on. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, well, you know, we've been through this before. Let's keep it a little bit quiet. Let's vary the song list a little bit so that we're – we blend in with them. We don't yep, want to drown yep. out their conversation. Yeah. So we start playing. They get up from the table, and half of them are already on the dance floor. <laughs> By the time the night was over, they were, like, owning the place. Mm-hmm. They had a ball. They loved the music. They're making requests. We're playing them. Yep. And... You can't judge a book by its cover, mm-hmm. you know. Here were these people that we thought were going, oh, we're going to ruin their evening by playing the music <laughs> yeah, that they won't yeah, like. Yeah, and, yeah. and it was a great time. Yeah. We had a better time because they were there. Sure, yeah. And I'm sure that you could tell 100,000 stories about audiences, ah, good ones, sure, sure. those that were leave yeah, a little something to yeah, be desired. But it wasn't that they're, they're wrong. It, it, no, it, You no. get into a room of people... It's like mob there's a, rule. There's, there's a vibe. Yeah, yeah, there's something that makes a, a singular personality yeah, for the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. And, and yeah. I'm sure that, especially doing comedy and doing the other kinds of shows that you do, there's a lot of variables that all need to be assessed when you get in there. The lighting. Sound. You and I, I know you and I have talked about this, round tables in a comedy setting yeah, is yeah. tough because yeah. if you can't get people to turn around and face one way, <laughs> I've actually half I, of them I are going to miss happen. the show. I think I told you this one time. I was doing a misgiving. It was an afternoon show. It was a bus, senior bus show. Like, it was like, I don't know, like 150 seniors in the afternoon. In other and words, people like table. you and me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Jeez, I'm forgetting. <laughs> round tables. Right. And... Uh, I get I start, and there's a guy in front of me who is not sitting with his back to me. Although I've had people sit with their back to me for the, the whole entire show. show, entire show. <laughs> Luckily for me, there's not that much to see. There's nothing to see. Yeah. Well, a couple of things, but nothing to actually say. Oh, you missed it, you know. Yeah. But this is one guy is sitting with his to the side, not looking at me at all, leaning on the table on the other side, and and I go through the entire show. 
And at the end of the show, he's applauding. And he's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great time. So I couldn't wait. You know, I, I walked down there and I said, look. I said, thank you very much for the applause. I said, but i got to ask you, I can't stand it. I said, I have people come, they sit at the round tables, they don't look at me, they don't turn the thing. I've In my in both lives, I've gone, excuse me, I'm over here. Yeah. You know, right? I mean, excuse me, I know you can't tell where the sound's coming from. And and I said, why in God's name, now why in God's name would you not turn and look at me? And he said, I watched the whole show. What do you mean? And on that wall on the stage right was huge mirrors. Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> with a huge, there, there were big mirrors to make the room look bigger. And 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 here he is. He's, he's, he watched the whole the, thing. The only thing is, he, he couldn't realize, he, he didn't understand why your, your name card said EVAD. I know, that's <laughs> the thing about it. That EVAD boy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, isn't that uh, something? Yeah, he watched really, the whole show. Watched in the, the whole birth. show, and he was a big, you know, yeah. uh, good a good audience. Yeah. I saw him laughing, yeah. and but, but the whole time <laughs> in the back of my head, I'm going, "What's wrong with uh, him? Why does he know where I am?" Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or if or if the lights are too bright, you know, yeah. you get you walk in and there's a room, you know, there's a ceiling full full of fluorescence, yeah, and you're gonna do comedy. Yeah, Hello. Yeah. Well, I, I'm only thinking comedy. I think the music is the one that suffers. Oh, I mean, well, I think you true. guys. Yeah, I think that's because, you know, you need an ambiance. Like people say to me sometimes. I love it when you, you speak Portuguese. <laughs> that's <laughs> great. But people say to me, do you want me to lower the lights like when I do misgivings? I yeah. go, no, no, they got to be the bingo cards. No, right. right. Well, that's right. You do that as yeah, part yeah, of the yeah. deal. So, I mean, no, no, don't. that's okay. I see when you have as little talent as I do, ambiance <laughs> doesn't help. <laughs> you don't need gentle lighting, yeah. you know. Uh, but it is a whole thing. Well, one of the reasons why you like to have low light if you're playing um, music, particularly for dancing, is that people feel kind of conspicuous if the lights are too bright, particularly yep. men. Yep. You get up to dance. Yep. So how do you get the couples up on the dance floor? Yep. You play a song like Unchained Melody. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, then the, the wives or girlfriends will grab the, the husbands or boyfriends or sometimes both. And get them up on the dance floor. Have you ever had somebody uh, where they come up to you and say, "Look, uh, our friend Phil is here, and he 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 really loves to sing. Yeah. Could he get up and sing a song with you guys? Um, Do you allow that? I, Have you ever had it, to? When when it's my booking, yeah, I will allow that. Oh, because and, and tell me a nightmare story <laughs> about well, that silly idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I was playing at a restaurant, and the occasion was St. Patrick's Day. And I would work here at that location every year on St. Patrick's Day and also on New Year's Eve. Oh, oh nothing, nothing, nothing worse than an Irish drunk. Well, no, no, no. It wasn't. I don't <laughs> believe she was Irish. Okay. <laughs> Let me get to the story. Sure, she's Irish. So, yeah, right. so. <coughs> A lot of, you know, and St. Patrick's Day is the 17th of March. So a lot of our friends, so it could be a Wednesday when a lot of musicians are not working. Yeah. And a lot of our friends would show up who play. And you'd say, oh, there's Ronnie Gamash. Let's get yeah, him up yeah, to play yeah, a song. Yeah. Oh, there's Charlie Hodgate. Let's get him to play guitar. Name drop. And we'd, br- we'd bring our friends up and they'd sit in and it'd be almost be like a house party. Yeah. That kind of atmosphere. So a couple comes in, they sit next to the band because a couple left, so they were standing in the back. They came and sat up front. The young lady 
has had a few adult beverages. Yeah, St. Patrick's. And she says sure. to me, can I sing crazy? I <laughs> I'll said, bet you do. <laughs> I said, sure. Yeah. What, you know, what's your name? Liz or Myrtle or whatever it was. Hey, folks, Liz is going to sing. Did you ask her what key? Uh, I No, here's what I say. Oh, okay. Because I knew she wasn't a professional right. singer. Oh, yeah. I said, sing a little bit of it. Yeah, yeah. She went, crazy. And I went, uh, 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 guys, be flat. Okay, yeah. Whatever. Okay, right. So now we play a little eight-bar intro. And she grabs the mic. She goes, crazy. And then she leans over to me and says, give me the words. <laughs> and I, 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 I cued the band, stop. And I said to her, Discreetly, you don't know the words. <laughs> she said, "No, I thought you'd, you'd help me with the words." I said, "Okay, so the song you chose to sing is a song with you a lyric that you don't know." <laughs> You're doing this on stage. Well, qu- kind of quietly, oh, oh, I, as as people are looking at us and blinking, saying, yeah. "You know what? What, what happened, happened to Crazy?" Yeah, right, right. So I, I said, well, "Let's let's try this later." Yeah. You know, oh, she was too She called me a bad name. Yeah. And oh, then she sat down. <laughs> well, you know the but story. But that's that, a true story. You know the story goes to the band during the wedding. <laughs> and he says to the band leader, Do you know that's what you are? <laughs> you know the, I do. Oh, I, I do gotta know finish the story. it. Now. Uh, no, go ahead. Do you know the that's audience. what you are? Now I'm gonna take a break. And All when right. we come back, uh, <laughs> you won't hear that very old story. <laughs> All righty. You and me on the radio till noontime today, and um, Mike and I were breaking a rule that I have. What's that? Which we've been not, not talking about. Not supposed to talk about what we're talking about on oh, the air. Oh, yeah. Right. Off the air. Save it for the air. Yeah. Save it for the air. Right. I got to tell, let me just finish telling the, the joke fast. Yeah, tell you know, the joke. Guy goes up to uh, a band leader at a wedding, and he says, excuse me, please, you could, tell, you could please play for me. That's what you are. That's what you want. Right. And this other guy said, I don't know if we know. Could you sing a little bit for, uh, I don't know what, sing. You could look. You could. That's what is our famous song. So the guy <laughs> says, well, look, uh, I tell you, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, well, let me look through the books. And the guy looks through all the books. And he's asking the other musicians. Let it musicians. T-H. Well, yeah, that's what you want. That's right. No, nothing. Right. Nothing to be found. Finally, at the end, uh, the old man comes back up. And he's been waiting all afternoon. He, but I said, look, you can't find that's what you I said, look, just sing, <laughs> sing, a little you, of it. sing a little bit of it for me just so I can, you know, maybe I'll, it'll kick up. You go, okay. <clears throat> Unforgettable. That's, that's what, what you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really oh, good. We do crack each other up, don't we? I, you know, but, you know, I mean, there are a lot of stories. This conversation sounds like the phone calls that we have yeah, on a regular basis. Yeah, we, we try to beat each other to the punch. Right. Yeah. Yeah, You'll like call this. me and say, hey, listen, did I ever tell you? Yeah, did I ever tell you? Yeah. Four times, yeah. I th- <laughs> at least. I, I thought of two stories that I won't say now, but I thought of two stories while you were talking today, and I went, did I ever tell you? <laughs> I'm telling that story. Like when I opened for Gar- Art Garfunkel. Oh. And, and, uh, and asked him if anybody, you had, the last word had, on if anybody had told him he wasn't <clears throat> Paul Simon. And, and yeah, yeah. But that's okay. You know. did, didn't, he, didn't he say something disparaging 
to you or you say, well, do we need? Do we need? Well, they, I was hired to do forty-five minutes. Yeah, do we to need open. to, do, to yeah. do forty-five? Do we really need forty? Do we need a comedian to do you? forty-five? I mean, it isn't like he's Jerry Seinfeld. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, it isn't like you're Paul Seinfeld. <laughs> 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 Although I will stick up for aren't he? As Paul Simon very calls talented, him. incredible, very voice. talented, incredible. Yes, 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 he is. And and uh, and you know what, what I know. I mean, he, very good. Yeah. But there, there are those, and, and Gary Lewis, to his everlasting credit, would not tell any stories about bad behavior of his fellow musicians. Yeah. Right. And, and there are, although I have a feeling that Rick Sapphire would be oh, more than Sapphire, happy to. Well, he's writing books. He's tell us, it, tell, well, he's, gonna, he's writing a book about yeah. Gary's yeah. dad, yeah. Jerry, yeah. the real story of Jerry Lewis. Right. Volume one. Right. How is it that you got to know Rick? I, I I found I don't know I I um I don't remember how, who introduced Have me. Have you known honestly, him a long time? A few years. He I, I first met him on the air here. Okay. I had uh, called him. I know I had called him because I had gotten a name that he was formerly the manager for. I see. Jerry. So you his were uncle trying to get was, his, was Jerry Lewis's manager, yeah. and then he became his manager for a while and did stuff for him, and. Uh, hell of a nice guy. He's a magician, Rick. Oh, no uh, kidding. Now, well, he ran a, a magic shop in uh, in New Jersey, in uh, uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And uh, he ran a magic shop down there. Just closed it recently because COVID and all that stuff. Yeah, I wonder Killed if our friend businesses. Bruce Calver would know him. He might have known him. I'll bet he does. I'm sure uh, Rick may know of Bruce. And... Um, we hit it off, and I had him on the air, and we had a great time. He was very funny, and he he had Jerry Lewis stories, you know. Yeah. And Rick was also, by the way, a comedian in the Catskills. Okay. Yeah, and uh, they're on YouTube, you can check it out when you go home. I will. You can check them out and doing the doing the stuff in the Catskills. Yeah. And uh, we just hit it off, and uh, I had him on a few times, and I had been trying to get Gary on. And he had said, well, you know, he's not really, because he's so laid back, he's not really interested. I said, listen, if you'll ask him to come on, please tell him I won't even mention his father. I won't even, because he wasn't interested in getting, this is several years ago, and he wasn't interested in getting involved in any of that stuff. And I said, okay, all right, that's fine. Just please tell him I won't even mention his father, I promise, you know. And then, then last month or whenever it was we did him, last month, he finally said, oh, yeah, okay, you know, I mean, not that Rick was begging him or anything. He yeah. just said, how about doing it now? Oh, yeah, okay, fine. And it, it went great. I mean, we had a good time. It was that recent that you yeah. interviewed Gary? Yeah, yeah. But that recently? Or, yeah, a month and a, yeah, about a month, okay. month and a half. How come you months? didn't call me for that show? I don't know. Oh, uh, I think I, I think I had asked you. But I didn't tell you I was going to have Gary oh. on. I think I'd asked and you I for that week. Yeah, for okay. that weekend, and then the Gary thing came up, and you had already. How come told you didn't me ask you me to be on it. next week? Next week, I well, I don't do that till I don't do that till the week after. That sounded a little the week, yeah. the week after. That sounded I did a little it. forward on my Why? Part, no. Not at all. Not at all. Listen, there's no use in, in having a friend who's got a radio show who gets to talk to people right. you want to talk to. Right. What's the sense of you? Yeah, gonna, really. You know, what good are you? <laughs> right, exactly. What good am I? What I mean, good look at, look at is Charlie sitting Quintella. alone in your room? <laughs> Come hear the music play. Well, that's good. Thank you. Life is a cabaret. <laughs> I believe it is. Uh, we should go to the cabaret. Uh, <laughs> and then Charlie Quintel, who... Uh, had been I not just feeling love well the guy. these days, and then he comes in I just and, love and him. does that all the way in here. 
no sense of direction. But, <laughs> no. But other than that, he's a great guy. <laughs> he, is, he is a great guy. Yeah, yeah. He is a great yeah. guy. And all of these people that, I mean, that, that I've worked with and, and so many of them just have their own stories and things that have happened and people they've met and people yeah. they've... And people do like to hear that story. It doesn't have to be a bad story. Right, right. It can be a nice story. I think yeah, but, but see, the stories that interest me won't interest the audience because he's, if he's going to tell me about a chord that Leon Russell came up with when they were recording overdubs for Save Your Heart to Me, mm. I'll be like a kid on Christmas mm. Day and most most everyone else will be saying, yeah, well, check once please. In a while, once in a while, you know, they, they have a button they can hit. You know, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's fine. True. My career has lived through it They can it go all. listen to Salty if yeah. they want. They, yeah. Well, they can't uh, do that. Uh, I got my mind set on you. Uh, Charlie was right. It was uh, That was the name of the song that uh, Jerry, but but not George Harrison. Right, George, this was George the original version covered it. Yeah, in, in and, the eighties. Jerry so. Granahan produced the the original, mm-hmm. and I can't remember that guy's name. Maybe Charlie will call in and tell us who or sang. Or you'll look it up on your one. phone. You look it up on your freaking <laughs> phone. You make me look on my phone. <laughs> in any event, so I was really cool because I used to have Jerry Granahan on all the time right. on the air. Right, he told these great stories. Yeah, I and, I, I remember <clears> seeing a picture somewhere online of uh, Bowser Bauman, John Bauman from Shanana, backstage at a show that he was doing, I think at Mohegan Sun. In the picture is Bowser with his famous pose and his mouth wide open. Jerry Granahan yeah. and Charlie Quintel yeah, backstage. Yeah, yeah. and Charlie was just saying he was going to go to the, the last one. The last one was coming up. Um, the last one was going to be coming yeah. up. The last Bowser show. Yeah. He yeah. said next year might be the last one. Oh, no kidding. That's what he said yeah. And uh, in a clip I saw. Well, I took note of the fact that he was appearing at Mohegan Sun. And, I, and you know, I, I get these alerts, you know, to tickets and Ticketmaster and what yeah, have you. Yeah. And for the life of me, I couldn't find out what is the lineup for this it w- particular it w- one. Was only, well, see, this is interesting, too, because I looked at it and it was a lineup and he had, I'm trying to remember who the headliner was. The one Bowser show that I saw about 15 years ago, I'll tell you who the, the lineup was. Had Fred Paris yep. of the Five Satins. Yep. Billy Preston, who oh, has cool. since left us. Yep. Felix Cavalieri from The Rascals. Rascals, yeah. Um, Mitch Ryder. Oh, cool. And who else did he have? Oh, um, the guys that backed up uh, Buddy Holly, the Crickets. Oh, the Crickets, yeah. With, I think, two of the original members. Yep, yep. Well, that's the other thing Bowser was involved with, making sure making that at least sure one that, yes. of the original members was in the Oh, world. and and Sam Moore of Sam and Dave. Okay. So this was a big review. Yep. In the uh, the the big room at Mohegan Sun, the, yep. uh, what do they call it, the arena. Yeah. And I had uh, hosted Felix at concert in Fall River, so I ended up going backstage. And meeting with Felix and members of his band. There was a knock at the door, and it was Billy Preston. But I didn't get a chance to meet him. He opened Uh. the door and just stuck his head and said, Felix, is somebody out here needs to to see you? He said, okay. He said, Mike, excuse me, I'll be. And so I only wished he would have walked in the door because I would have locked it behind me, and I would have said, tell me about playing on the rooftop with the Beatles. The thing about what you're saying right now, it just passed my mind. Um, We are seniors, we are seniors, and a lot Speak of the for people yourself. that we're talking about, um, 
I'll say to Jim Jones, who's much younger than I, who's mm-hmm. the manager here, hey, you know who I'm going to have on? Yada, yada, yada. And he has this look who's on his that? face like, who? What? Yeah. You know, you know, and that's the thing about that is that, you know, you're all excited because you want to meet Well, me. we've talked about this before, <laughs> dated references that you have put in comedy routines that oh, you've got to update them. Everything changes. You know. it, it's unbelievable. You talk I about mean, you know, well, I, I mean, the guys, you say the sarcastic joke, guys, a lot of fans, yeah, they meet in a phone booth. Yeah, right, right. What's a phone booth? Yeah. Well, <laughs> they call collect. It's not collect anymore. <laughs> right. I mean, all of these these things, the, the, the society has just, it's just disappeared. Right. And right. you try to do all this stuff, and it's and it's really not. I was, I was just makes me think of, um, I was driving uh, to the Cape, um, for, for a gig last year, last summer. And I said, I'm going to take a different way. Rather than go over the Bourne Bridge and then be on the Cape and then yep. get on the Mid-Cape Highway from Sandwich Road, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the route where I'm take the Sagamore Bridge. So I'll take yep. the exit before the Bourne Bridge. So I'm driving along that road there, heading toward the Sagamore Bridge. And so on the right side of you, as you're, as you're heading east, is yep. the canal. Yep. And on the... Other side of you is a lot of businesses and yep. so forth and some single-family homes. There's a little motel. I forget the name of it. But yep. their sign said, Color TV. <laughs> Last year, yeah. Color it TV it up there. in every room. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what would a 17-year-old kid think if what he saw yeah. well, Color TV? All the TVs are different colors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a sign you tell me. There's a sign coming in from Connecticut on out on Route 44, coming in from Connecticut. As you're just getting into Johnson, there used to be there was a liquor store, and a huge sign. They just recently took it down. It said "Last Chance to Buy Lottery Tickets Before Cape Cod." <laughs> really? Said, yeah. I'm saying, what the hell? Last chance. All right. Must be me. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. Unbelievable. Yeah, last Imagine season. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and by the way, remember when the when uh, the teacher told, not our generation, but yeah. the generation that came after us, you've got to learn your math because you're not going to be carrying a calculator around with you everywhere you go. You know, Joanne and I were just talking about this. Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> she, yeah, that's what I'm saying. We were just talking about this. I said to her, you know, when I was a little boy, I used Back to when the Earth's crust was still cooling? Just cooling down. <laughs> and I looked at Dick Tracy comics, yeah. and Dick Tracy had a wristwatch, yeah. and it had a television on right, it, a right, screen on right. it, and he could talk to people. Yeah. All fantasy. Oh, I, future. Oh, way in the future, way in the future, way in the future. Oh, my dear. Yeah. <laughs> How th- unbelievable. Now. And phrases... Like we talked about, phrases that just don't apply anymore. You know, crazy. (laughs) There's an old Humphrey Bogart movie. Somebody, you know, knocks on his door, and I guess he's private detective. I don't know if it's Maltese Falcon, one of those from that era. Yeah, yeah. And these guys come in, these rough guys, and they're looking for something. And that's why I think it might be the Maltese Falcon. Anyway, he says to them, go ahead, trash the place. I won't squawk. 
Yeah. Oh, now, that's not <laughs> dialogue that you would put in a movie no, no, you won't. in contemporary times. No. First of all, there's not enough F-bombs in it to go into <laughs> a movie a in contemporary yeah, right. time. Yeah. But people don't talk like that. I, yeah. I don't even know whether they ever really did, but they did in the movies. You know? Yeah, oh, yeah. Movie oh, dialogue. The, 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 the tough guy. Yeah. The tough guy. Go, oh, go ahead. Oh. Trash the place. Freeze like, oh, yeah? <laughs> Why I ought to? So is your old man. So is your old man. Yeah, it really is. It's really funny. And how quickly things change. Like... <clears throat> In my in, in one of my shows in Misgivings, I used to reference Imelda Marcos oh. <laughs> for having a lot of shoes. A lot it, of shoes. Imelda Marcos. People will people well, of a as, certain of age. course, even even when I put it in, because you see, the character Misgivings is older than I. Right. I mean, right. allegedly, and so he's or he was at one time. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he, so he's doing these old references. So the humor is in the fact that he does that reference. So it's part of the joke. But then it staled. Nobody knew who the hell she was. They just didn't. And so then I changed it. Um, I have to have a wardrobe like Lady Gaga. Okay, <laughs> that's okay. But now Lady Gaga doesn't wear the crazy outfits. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's starting to go now. Yeah. I mean, it'll still get a laugh, I guess. Right. But right. just those yeah. things alone that are just so stunning. What you're saying <laughs> triggers a thought. I was interviewing back in my radio days. This year was 1993. And I know that because I have a recording of it and I've dated it. Uh, I had an interview with uh, Davy Jones of the Monkees. Oh, yeah. For an hour, much like we had Gary Lewis earlier today. Yeah, yeah. He was wonderful. He was in studio yeah. sitting across oh, the cool. table. Yeah, right. And he was talking about the change in perspective that you get. Of course, he and the monkeys were very hot commodity in 1966. They had a revival because of MTV that got the rights to their old TV show yep. from NBC right. and started running it. And so they even got together and did a tour. And I mean, and, and then he never looked back. He was always working. But he was talking about a lot of people don't know this the Ed Sullivan show. CBS Sunday nights used to feature a lot of the um, rock and roll acts because Ed Sullivan was smart enough to know yeah. that that's going to help get audience. And he famously put the Beatles on in February of 64. The first show that the Beatles appeared, there were, as always is the case on the Ed Sullivan show, a whole lot of different acts. And Ed Sullivan was a big fan of Broadway musicals. And he would bring, you know, right now appearing at the Winter Garden Theater is this show, and yep. here's a cast to do a scene. So one of the big shows on Broadway at the time, February of 64, was Oliver, the yep. musical. Yep. One of the cast members was Davy Jones. Okay. Playing the Artful Dodger. Yep. Young kid. Right, playing a wise whippersnapper, yeah, yeah, yeah. and his foil in the, in in the musical is uh, Fagin, who is an old man, a crotchety yeah, yeah, old yeah. guy. So Davy Jones is telling me the story about being on Broadway in Oliver, and many years returning to the stage, but he's not playing the art for yeah. art for Do Dodger, artful Dodger. Right. He said he's playing Fagin. Fagin. He's playing oh, the old oh, man. Oh wow. And what a reversal of that and uh, an acknowledgement that, hey, I'm not a kid anymore. You know? Yep, yep. Although he looked like a kid, he, you know. Yeah. He, but, but that's true. You have to, and I'm sure that as you continue to do Stuff. your yeah, show, yeah, yeah. 
uh, or variations thereof, you will change oh, yeah, references I, 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 because I, sure you change it. Yeah, folks of a certain age will yeah, remember you, the references, but not, yeah, not yeah, younger, younger people. I'm surprised how many younger people, as they say, do get the couple of the references. Well, it may be because they're because expressions they they've heard their and grandparents. I'll give you a perfect example of it. Well, I have my show. I did give you the perfect example. Um, I I do a thing about. Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop <laughs> is a reference. I can't find another ventriloquist and character right. to replace her. Right. Terry Maybe. Fader? Maybe. He's well known. Um, Kermit and Jim uh, Henson. Jim Henson. No longer. Because yeah. they're very, and so what happened, what's happened is. Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop are synonymous with each other. Sure. And they did so much television and right. so much, and the right. kids were iconic. It, absolutely. So that, it, like trying to change that, first of all, I have to teach myself to say it, but trying to change that. But it just, I mean, this one, the other, the other end of that is that it still holds. Like I'm still surprised that that still holds yeah. Yeah. In, in the show. It does. <clears throat> yeah, it, it, does. It, it, it's really interesting the things to do and don't. And there's more thought to this than people think. I'm thinking you know? there are no ventriloquists anymore. <clears throat> oh, no, there are. They're like Terry Fader. Terry there's Fader a, there's is a one. woman from England I've been watching. I don't think she's real good, but she's yeah. doing it. Uh, there was a guy, oh, I don't remember his name. It's remember. like impressionists. There are not many impressionists. That's right. We Oh, that's the other thing we were talking about. You don't see any... Um, there was a guy, Danny Gans. Oh, I remember, the, yeah. Passed away at a young age. Yep, yep. He, he was, was a great a baseball player, too. Yes, he was. He like was. A, he yep. Was. And I was just telling Joanne about him because uh, he passed uh, yeah. with a heart problem uh, at home. Uh, and he was... He did these terrific singing impressions, but he did them funny, and they were very brief, yeah. and he did tons and, and of he them did a lot of them. show. He did a lot yeah, of tons them. of them. Tons I can remember one of the first times that Pamela and I went to Las Vegas seeing the face and name of Danny Gans on every cab, every yeah. billboard. It was like, who is this guy? Yeah. Away from Las Vegas at this time, yeah. Yeah. no one knew who he was. That's right. Because he was the toast of Las Vegas, and I think he was maybe appearing at the Mirage, and he was like selling out shows morning, noon, and night. Eight, he, uh, the, the story I read, two stories of it, he made, his, in, his gross was $18 million a year. Really? 18 mil. Wow. Generated. And outside of the state of Nevada, nobody knew who he was. Yeah, yeah. He well, later <laughs> became yeah. fairly yeah. well known. But that's like Sandler and Young. Right. They they right. they were in they were all over the world. They were in Vegas. Sure, they were on Sullivan Show. Right, Sandler and Young, big, big, big. Nobody knows who they are no, now. No, no. Ralph Young has passed, and Tony Sandler is still alive. Yeah, I had him on here. Oh, I, you did. I, I, I didn't okay. tell you. I don't think you did. I didn't tell you that. Wow. Oh, maybe you did. I didn't tell you. Okay, now we remember. It's all right, good. And so, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. There's one another names that people don't know who, what they are. And, right, Yeah, it's right. interesting. But one day, not now, one day one people day. will be sitting in a studio right. or in their homes all on wireless entertainment, all around the world, and somebody will say, Mike Moran, and somebody will go, 
Who? Who? <laughs> oh, you know, he's a friend of Dave. King. Oh, who? who? <laughs> you know the four stages of your career. Yeah. Who is Dave Kane? That's yeah. the first stage. Second okay. stage, get me Dave Kane. Yeah. Third stage, we need a young Dave Kane. Yeah. Fourth stage, who is Dave Kane? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my other stage is I love your work on the air. Next stage is my parents used to listen to you every day. <laughs> That's right. Third one is my grandmother Grandpa, yeah. loves it when you're on on Saturday. Right. Yeah. That's so it. That's and next is check, please. Check, please. Hello. <laughs> Who is Dave Hello, King? I must be going. We hey. Pray very soon. Uh, this has been fun for it me. It has I, been. Thank you for including I, I, me. I'm glad you chance to talk it. with Gary Lewis and to Charlie Quintel, whom I love. Yeah, great was, guy. Uh, great. Was terrific. Thanks yeah. for including and, Well, me. listen, it was good. And I think he had a good, I think Gary had a good time. I think he did. I you, think he did. You said a lot of things. You went, oh, yeah, how do you know that? And, and Good job to know that. Yeah, that's what I hear. Well, you can tell me that if you want. I yeah, don't believe I'll it. Tell you. I do want to mention that we're going to, of course, try to get you back again. Just ask me and I'll come Yeah, in. you say that now and then. You say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm working every day, well, every night. Well, you know. Or I'm going to New York. Yeah. I'm going to New York for the important visits in my life. There not, you go. Not being a hang around you. Well, knowing that I make that trip to Schenectady, and there's a nine-year-old and a ten, a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old that run out of the house and with arms extended to give a big hug. Whose it's names are Nora and Grace. Okay, Nora and Grace. We say that because in the archive you can you pull go. it up and show them. You mentioned they made them famous That's on right, the radio. On the radio. Don't tell them I'm not a big radio star. <laughs> Let let them th- let them think I'll I'm say, like a famous what's radio? <laughs> oh, Delta. oh, gee, what's AM? What's AM? You know, any minute now, you're going to get such a. I, I mean, really? That's what you're going to do to me? You're going to say, "Well, he closes with a song by Groucho." Yeah. Oh, that radio. Oh, that radio. Oh, that AM radio. Thank you very much. Okay, here we go. Hey, I want to thank uh, my friends at Walt Buteau for showing up this morning yes. on the radio. He was uh, great. Yeah, he really was. And, of course, uh, Mike Moran and Gary Lewis, terrific. Uh, Rick Sapphire. We had a very busy show. That was fun. Charlie? Yeah, Charlie Quintel is the Now, he's the guy. He, I, I'm not, Unfortunately, I have to, I have to uh, punish him because he gets demerits for not being here quite as... <laughs> Quite as on time as he should have he been. He got lost with a GPS. <laughs> That's the thing. That's the thing. Why did you take a GPS and go home? <laughs> I do want to thank you all. We're going to do this again on Saturday morning, 9 o'clock. Be the good Lord willing to quit. Don't rise. I do want to mention to you that I appreciate you. I got some notes from people who were looking for me in the last couple of weeks. I really? I took a couple of weeks off oh, good. Uh, to rest my voice. But I'm doing fine now. Everything is good. And uh, we will be back once again uh, next Saturday, which I say all the time, you know. And, and, and you know, I'm just, I'm just letting you know in case you accidentally go back to the radio oh. and figure, well, they finally got rid of that. <laughs> so, anyway. All righty. Thanks very much for being with us. And, of course, I have to remind you, as always, that in the end... Boys and girls, the love that you take from this world is equal to the love you make in the world. Thanks very much for being with me. See you again next Saturday morning, 9 o'clock. Be the good Lord willing. The creek don't rise. Four Deep Sports is next. 
these punks are going to come in, take my wallet, push me over uh, into a snow plow somewhere. I don't know. But Bob Bamberg's going to remind you.